2: It's Rick Tittle!
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. It is a TGIF edition of the show. That means you can get in and get heard wherever you might happen to be listening in this great land of ours and eh, so-so foreign lands. We are on the American Forces Radio Network bringing the entertainment strong to our troops out there who are also strong. Once again, the key word is, wait for it, got it now, strong. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to get in and have your sporting question, comment, or concern addressed by a nation hungry to hear what you have to say. Now, on the other hand, as it is a Friday, we're always quite privileged in the first hour to be joined by Jan Wall, the film critic and Hollywood Insider. We have some Hollywood guests. Dennis Lehane, a great writer, will join us. Also, some pranksters. Who doesn't like a merry prankster now and then? Is it all right? Joe Pickett and Nick Pruher. Pruher barely knew her. Writer-director Dan Mervish will uh, talk about his uh, movie entitled uh, 18 and a Half. And uh, this is about uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon. He was president out of Whittier, California. Vice president under Eisenhower. My dad met him in the Navy. Had him sign the book Six Crises. Anybody listening? Bueller? Uh, comedian Liz Glazer has a new album. She'll join us in the second hour. And in studio for the first time ever, scheduled to appear, Daryl Hammond, SNL vet. No one was there longer outside of than Keenan Thompson, but no one was older. Is 53, and then he's an announcer. He's at the Punchline. Uh, Pro-aging will drop by at 11-12. And then Carlos Mencia is at the San Jose Improv. He hasn't been in studio for like eight years. So we'll see what uh, the ex-Ned Wholeness begotten. 1-800-878-PLAY. If a guest doesn't show up, we can talk about the Warrior game. <laughs> That's tonight. I'll try to actually squeeze some sports talk in. Hopefully the pro-wagering segment will be basketball, but we'll see. Tune in at iHeartRadio, AppStitcher, Twitch.tv. There I am. Come on back. Next up, Straight Talk from Doug. Ever notice that saying no offense is offensive? Like, no offense, but you're overpaying for your wireless.
4: See? Offensive. That's the Straight Talk talking. Get unlimited plans as low as $35 a month from Straight Talk on America's most reliable 5G network. Available at Walmart and Walmart.com. On the $35 plan, first 10 gigabytes data at high speed, then 2G speeds. Refer to the latest terms at StraightTalk.com. Based on most first place rankings, root metrics, second half, 2022 assessments of 125 metros. Experiences vary, not an endorsement.
6: Collectible Exchange is the most trusted sports memorabilia company in the country, carrying game-used, autographed, and other one-of-a-kind items. Founded by collecting icon Brandon Steiner from Steiner Sports, they can also help you evaluate, authenticate, and sell your sports collectibles. Instead of collecting dust, your items could be collecting cash. So check out the biggest collectible marketplace in the U.S. at CollectibleExchange.com. With over 150,000 items and over 80 pro and college athletes selling directly to you, that's collectibleexchange.com.
7: Titillating sports with Rick Tittle.
3: Hey, welcome back to the show. It is a Friday edition, and that means we always start off the first hour with the film critic and Hollywood insider, our good friend Jan Wall. How you doing, Jan? Terrific, Rick. Gorgeous day. Good stuff. We're waiting on our first guest, and when we get him, oh, we will bring him in. But I just wondering. I
8: mean, I don't mean, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: If anything has tickled your fancy in the entertainment yeah. world.
8: Yeah. Right? I watched the entire news. Um, Uh, the last series, it's over now, of Mrs. Maisel. Have you ever seen Mrs. Maisel? I saw the first two
3: seasons, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, yeah.
8: This is just so good, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. uh, I believe Prime Video. Mm -hmm. It is just so worth getting. The last season is rough and tumble and mean show business. And how show business and the mob... You know, I read this wonderful book called Uh, Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli, about the making of The Godfather. (laughs) And it's about how the mob and show business intersect and interact and are kind of codependent. Well, the same thing in the last season of of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You really get a sense of the mob and show business. And it's just really excellent. Good stuff. mm -hmm. All
3: right, well, we do have our guest, Janie, and uh, it is the Mm -hmm. prolific author Dennis Lehane. He has a new book called small mercies dennis welcome to the show and i was just thinking some of the other books that you've done like mystic river shutter island gone baby gone and here you are working with clint eastwood and and martin scorsese ben affleck or are you working with them is it kind of the thing where they do take your baby and you have to make sure that they don't mess it up how much are you uh, involved with all that
9: oh god no you don't you don't make sure they don't mess it up huh? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, Marty, where to put the camera. Um, no, it's a case of uh, the the one thing I take credit for in the movie to uh, adaptations of my books is um, who I sold to. I'm very picky about who I sell to, and then once you sell it to somebody, you put your faith in them. I give them my cell phone and say, "Call me if you need me," and otherwise, I'll see. You. I don't, I don't get involved, and then. Well, mm-hmm. Oh, well, they the case, they yeah. want me involved, in which case I'm happy mm-hmm. to show up. But if they don't want me involved, you know, I'm not really useful on a film set. <laughs> I mean, the case is far more important than the guy who wrote the book.
8: Mystic Pizza. This is Jan Wall. Mystic Pizza is one of my... Uh, not Mystic Pizza. Sorry. Mystic River <laughs> is one of my <laughs> favorite no, no, Yeah. Sometimes people make that mistake. Yeah. Uh, well, they're really different. <laughs> And mystic River is probably I think one of the finest adaptations I've seen. Did you sell it to Warner Brothers or did you sell it to Eastwood?
9: Oh no, I sold it to Eastwood. That's the key so you you brought up the perfect point. I don't sell it to studios. I wouldn't sell it to Warner Brothers. I wouldn't sell it to Sony. I wouldn't sell it to anybody like that. I sell it directly to either the you know in in the case of Clint, the director producer. Or in the okay. case of Island, I sold to Mike Metaboy because he had made Apocalypse Now. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, I'm the best guy who produced Apocalypse Now. Um, I sold Gone Baby Gone to Alan Ladd because Alan Ladd had produced uh, Blade Runner. It's one of my favorite films. So you get involved with good people. And then the worst case that's going to happen, the worst case scenario is an honorable failure. Let's wow. Do
8: let, you have let, any let... same castings?
9: Um, so, oh no! God no! And yeah. no, as a showrunner, so I run t- television shows. I just had a TV show called Blackbird on last year, and I cast my shows. But films are cast by their directors and
2: uh-huh. their producers
9: and and Warners and whoever you know, uh, Paramount, whoever's involved. Um, they don't consult. I had a funny conversation with Clint. He was like, "Well, who are you thinking for this part?" And I was like, "Well, I think you know, so you know, uh, who could play Jimmy?" And I was like, "Well." You know, Russell Crowe, or he's like, I, I just cast um, John Penn, How's that? Um,
3: you know, it was like that. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, let's talk about the uh, new book from Harper, Small Mercies, and uh, taking on the dark heart of American racism. And I know that you're someone who is, they say, the philosopher of the human animal. You really have that niche in uh, dealing with people and ex- exploring uh, who we are as people. So uh, tell us about Small Mercies, please.
9: Well, Small Mercies is a book uh, set during uh, the summer of 1974, Boston, when I was nine years old, and it's a pretty memorable summer because that's when they, um, by court order, desegregated the Boston public schools, and South Boston and many parts of the city just lost their minds. And um, what what they mandated was that South Boston High School swapped fifty percent of it, which was 100 percent white, swapped fifty percent of its population with Roxbury High School which was predominantly African American. And um it it just ripped open the city. Um and it was uh there were there were protests, there were riots, they were burning people in effigy. Um oh. there was some of the most ugly, racist stuff I've ever seen in my life, spray painted on walls, uh put in, in windows, you know, little placards in windows. Um and, and then on the first day of, of school and from then on for quite some time, they would line up and throw rocks at the buses, buses school children. Yeah. and schoolchildren. And, and these were people that I saw on the street. These are people I saw in church. These are people who would wave to me because I was a little white kid with the map of Ireland on his face. I mean, I was fine. <laughs> and so to see all that at nine was... It was, it was, it split something inside of me. I could never quite, from that point on, I think, um, reconcile the, the, the dark and the light of the human animal, you know, wow. uh, which I came to see as something that exists in tandem. You well, know, people are not a thing. And there's a line in the book that, you know, the, uh, the worst of us has good in him, and and the best of us has pure evil at their heart. You know, it's it's. Uh, that's and I think that became an obsession, clearly in my writing.
3: I was uh, also nine in nineteen seventy four, and I, and I, I've heard Bill Burr many times, who's from Boston, say, ah, he hates the way that quote unquote Southie is portrayed in the movies and we know how irish it is we know about the irish mob how, how what do you think about Southie and how they responded to this busing
9: well okay so there were two very specific things that happened, and i think the book tries to address them there were two specific mindsets so to uh, just speak about desegregation it had to happen and it had to happen right then and there because it had been justice delayed for nine years by that point um the method by which they did it, which was not only forced busing, but forced busing that only affected the inner city, only affected the working-class neighborhoods, that's another discussion to be had. The problem is that discussion got wrapped up into the, the very vitriolic racism that was going on at the time. So to be able to separate the people who just wanted to say, hey, wait a minute, I had no say in this, and this is once again a case of, People who live in the wealthy, all-white suburbs making a decision for people who live in the working-class neighborhoods. Like my, my father, who was at all, was like, hey, wait a minute. First they drive an expressway through here without my consent. Now they're telling me where I'm going to send my kids to school. You know, when do I get a say in this? And And that's a legitimate conversation because, again, the people, the social engineers behind this, they stayed in their white suburbs. And they didn't allow any of this to happen in their schools. And they pulled back two months before poor Judge Garrity had to make this decision and follow the rule of law. And so he ends up getting vilified. They end up getting to be able to sit in their nice white suburbs, play golf and believe whatever they want to believe. And, and the neighborhoods have to duke it out.
3: Well, I, it's, and I'm it's i being told i got to wrap this up, and it's called Small Mercies. It's a novel by our guest, Dennis Lehane. It's available from Harper. Dennis, once again, congratulations on what sounds like an amazing book. Thank
8: you, Thanks
3: Dennis. So much. All right, uh, Janie. We, oh, we're, God,
8: couldn't you talk to somebody like that forever?
3: I know. I feel bad cutting them off, but it's show business, and we got to go to the next guest. Rick Tuttle and Shan Wall, come on back.
10: Stop overpaying and call right now.
1: Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800-965-1295. 800-965-1295. 800-965-1295. That's 800-965-1295. How would you like to get high-speed internet for your home for less than $2 a day? Internet for your home for 50 bucks a month. That's less than two bucks a day. Plus, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees, and our 15-day guarantee. Call now. 800-617-5145. 800-617-5145. 800-617-5145. That's 800-617-5145.
11: I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic. Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. Or an art critic. That painting is bad.
12: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Rick Tittle and Jan Wall with you on a Friday morning in the first hour. We have entertainment guests, and uh, we are now joined by uh, Nick Pruer, and we're trying to get his uh, buddy Joe Pickett on the line here to talk about their new documentary, which is out and on demand. It's called Chop and Steel. And uh, oh, we do have Joe as well. Okay, Nick and Joe are with us. Nick, yeah, yeah. Nick, uh, uh, tell us for uh, in a nutshell exactly what the prank was and how it backfired, please.
6: Well, we are on the road with this touring show called Sound Footage Festival, and uh, we got bored, so instead of pitching ourselves to morning shows, we pitched a strongman duo called Chop and Steal, and then Joe and I, who are are both very weak men, uh, showed up in Zubas and uh, tank tops and with guts spilling out and did really unimpressive feats of strength like chopped twigs in half and things like that and uh, it was all it was all fun and uh, you know no harm done but one of the parent companies of the news stations uh, didn't find it that funny and wanted to teach us a lesson so they, they sued us for fraud in uh, federal court
8: Wow for fraud
6: yeah, What's well, fraud people? and
9: copyright infringement and conspiracy, which is the scary sounding one. Yeah, we—I mean, we laugh about it now, but man, back when it was happening, like we were like shaking in our shoes.
8: You what? guys got a letter from an attorney or from a studio.
9: We you got served.
8: They
9: they served us. So like uh, a a guy showed up with a big stack of papers, and we were doing a, we were doing one of our performances in Minneapolis. And he walked up, and he threw it right at her feet and goes, you guys have been served. So I didn't know that's how it worked, but, uh, yeah, we learned the hard way.
3: Why why do you think that instead of just being in on the joke or just playing it off as harmless fun that they took so much offense to this?
6: I think it showed Uh. that their news team wasn't really paying that much attention or doing their homework or vetting the guests, and so – Instead of, I guess instead of using that as a, as a learning moment to, uh, oh to do better homework, yeah. they're like, "Let's let's teach these two, two broke guys doing a comedy show a lesson. <laughs> and uh, so I think it was mostly wow. to, to try to prevent embarrassment.
8: Okay, so you guys, I was, this is Jan Wall. I was looking at Channel 4 in San Francisco, and we booked a thing called Puppetry of the Penis. Okay? <laughs> oh, sure, I'm familiar. They yeah. On, yeah, they were Australian, right? And they were doing a gig, and they came on with these, like, monk robes on, and we didn't think they were actually going to show us Puppetry of the Penis, and they did, and everybody (laughs) lost their jobs. Everybody lost their jobs connected with that booking. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, like, we didn't
9: didn't show our our wieners on this at all. I I, I, I I know, but...
8: What you said, why didn't they blame the people who should be blamed? Which is the people who didn't vet you, the associate producers, you know. 100%. um, Yeah.
9: Yeah, it was so easy to get on. I mean, they they really didn't do their homework because, like, all you really need is just tell them, like, oh, we're going to do this performance, and uh, we have this message, and uh, there you go. Boom, you got 10 minutes. They're just happy to, you know, eat up 10 minutes.
6: They didn't even look. So we, put was, in, we put in things in in the press release. We put in things that if you did your homework, you'd be able to ferret out that this was uh, bogus. So, you know, we said that we had won America's Got Talent. <laughs> I mean, a, a, a two-second Google search would, would have ferreted out that that didn't happen. But that uh, that amount of vetting was not done. So uh, in we walked. Network, and uh,
8: network or local? Was it network or local?
6: It, it was local, but uh, uh-huh. it was the, uh, the parent company that sued us.
9: So, like the you know the people who uh, were actually on the morning news show, most of them didn't get that mad. They were just like, oh, that that was kind of weird, you know. Like, but then the parent yeah, company was the one that got mad. The parent company's the one that came after us.
3: You've got some uh, big names here commenting. Uh, a guy who I like has been on my show several times, Bobcat Goldthwaite. What what, how, what did he throw in on this?
9: So he's actually been sued. Uh, for for appearances, like he got a well, he set a couch on runoff. fire. Yeah, yeah, you heard about that? Okay, yeah, I yeah. He saw said, it. He it. and it was uh, he got arrested for arson, so, or, or I don't know if he got arrested or sued for arson or something. But, yeah, he was so, arrested. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. So th- well, that's a big reason that he's in uh, is that he's he's been through the, the the same thing.
8: So this documentary is about what you've done moving on from this. I mean. What do you do?
6: You go to court? Yeah, it's we Lawyer up? Like up. Yeah, yeah, basically. we were And we'd never been sued, so we're like, we don't know any lawyers. We don't run in those circles, so we were just like <laughs> asking friends of friends, like, what do you do here? And we found a guy who actually lived in my neighborhood and used to live in a punk rock house in Florida, and when he found out that what the lawsuit was, he was like, oh, I gotta take this case. So oh, exactly. he came on and yeah, and defended us, and you get to see him in the documentary, too, but it, it ends up being kind of a jumping-off point to talk about, like, you know, we, careers is a strong word for what we do, but what do you do when you're in <laughs> danger, and how how do you move on when your margins are already pretty low, and here, now you're having to defend yourselves in court? <laughs> <What> <laughs> There's,
8: there are oh, that's so benefits. funny. Oh, my God. Careers <laughs> is a strong word for what we do. That's there um you know benefits of working for yourself I was gonna say there's benefits of working for um, yourself I got a cease and desist letter from Warner Brothers once for a show I did um where it was a gay um Jeopardy you know we we did Jeopardy right live but it was gay okay gay questions you know you know about Ava Gabor wigs and you know, right. like that. it was really, silly. Right. but you know, it was really popular. But it wasn't on television; it was just a live performance. And um, I got the meanest letter, scared the crap out of me. And so I, did, from Warner Brothers, cease and desist.
3: You know, I I got a cease and desist order from Puppetry of the Penis because I started ventriloquism of the vagina, and they uh, were they were really cool. upset. Who knows that'll do it? I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are obsessed with VHS still to this day, am I right?
6: Yes. It's yeah, the, it's, it's the, it's it's the best format. Yeah. It's the best format for us because it was at a time, the, the golden age of home video, where people uh-huh. who had no business behind a camera or in front of one were given the power uh, to record <laughs> things and any bad idea that anybody had. Um, you know, could get a video made. Like, we have one called um, Rent-A-Friend, and the idea was (laughs) if you were lonely, this guy would be your virtual friend for 45 minutes. So, 45 minutes. Yeah, he would ask you questions, like, where are you from, and then leave a pause that you're supposed to answer to your TV. (laughs) Um, Wow. So it's those kind of things that that fascinate us and and really could have only existed on that format when it, it became so ubiquitous.
9: Yeah, they were crapping out VHS tapes at a furious pace, like back in the 80s and 90s. And not to brag or anything, but we have, like, I think over 11,000 VHS tapes in our office in Brooklyn. Uh, no doubles. No doubles. 11, mm. th- over 11,000. And wow. new boxes show up every single day. We just got, like, a Victoria's Secret training video. <laughs> I guess they still make training videos. Like, that showed up on the on
6: the doorstep last week.
3: Do you still have your fly-forehead VHS player?
6: Yeah, we we got the uh, the forehead VHS uh, or VCR that uh, you know we have our favorite brands and uh, you know we just get them at thrift stores now because <laughs> there's not much of a value to for most people for a VCR. But uh, yeah, we love them. They, they're still ticking. Mm-hmm. You know, you can. I
3: remember because uh, I'm in my 50s, but I, one of them broke. I took scotch tape, put it back together, and it worked.
9: Yeah, analog. Yeah, analog video. That's the beauty of analog. You can you can duct tape it together. You know, like I wouldn't know how to, you couldn't do that with an Apple TV or something.
8: You know, you two are Brian. Well, I can't wait to see this thing.
3: So how do we? How do I get our? I know it's as I said, it's out video on demand. Chop and steal with a silent e at the end. Uh, where, where are we going here for this?
6: You can go to iTunes or uh, Amazon or. Google Play, yeah, any Apple. of the uh, places yeah. where you you know find uh, videos to rent or buy on on digital. So and just chop and uh, type in "chop and steel, Yeah,
3: chop and steel and, for, and blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and,
6: chop and, and then Blu Ray is coming out this summer, and
9: then we are going to put it on the Mother of All formats, VHS. It will be on VHS. What about
3: Laserdisc?
9: So <laughs> We're working on it. We know a guy. <laughs> chop, talking
3: to a guy. Chop and steal, as seen on TV. Jokes are cheap. Lawyers are not. From Draft House Films. We've been speaking with the Merry Pranksters, Joe Pickett, and Nick Pruer. Gentlemen, congratulations.
8: Thank you. Thank
3: guys. you so much. Miracle. J- Jen, let wow. me ask. Let me ask you this, as a film aficionado, because you Bye. know we used to have a millions of VHS. I never Bye. understood Bye. having the rewinder why don't you just press we rewind on your vcr or did you have a separate rewinder
8: oh separate rewinder for sure (laughs) and it makes a lot of sense because like right now i'm going to be doing a class in uh writing screenwriting and i'm telling you if you want to hear the writing again you need that rewind for sure we don't want to go all the way back to the beginning. Be
3: kind, rewind, and Jan Wall and I oh, have. A...
8: Oh, remember Serial Mom, where if somebody didn't rewind, she killed them. <laughs>
3: oh my gosh, Dan Mervish, writer-director, coming up next with Rick Tittle and Jan Wall, right here on Byline.
13: Who? The big stuff.
14: Who do?
11: Let's
15: be real. Mopping is a hassle. You have to fill the bucket, pushing a wet, heavy mop around, then cleaning the mop when you're done so it doesn't grow bacteria. A hassle on top of a hassle. Try Swiffer Wet Jets. With Swiffer WetJet, you start with a fresh pad and cleaning solution every time. And when you're done, you just toss the pad. Swiffer WetJet, the faster, easier, cleaner way to clean your floors.
16: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? sell a home you can't afford or just don't want to get the cash you need today
1: 800-788-1495 800-788-1495 800-788-1495 that's 800-788-1495
17: remember in the beginning when you first started to build a life for you and your family you never imagined it would come to this
18: Staples has everything to help small businesses do big things. Shipping supplies and services so you can fill big orders. The latest tech so you can create the next big thing. And now during Staples small business deal days, when rewards members spend $100 or more, they get 30 back in rewards to use on big things, little things, or anything they need. Plus, find new deals in-store every week on tech, office chairs, and shipping supplies. Because for small businesses, Staples knows savings are a big thing. Rewards offer ends by 13, limit one, redeemable in-store only. You know, exactly. over time, you know, the more
19: and more you do something, Practice the better you perfect. get at it. just right. like, you know, Anything. you didn't become this excellent at radio overnight. Thank you know, man. you know exactly when to say we got one minute left. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? Because I'm so good
3: looking. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Practice makes <laughs> <things> perfect.
19: <laughs>
12: You must be crazy. Use a DOG. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: Thank you for that. And welcome back to this show. Rick Tittle and Jan Wall with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure now to welcome to the show filmmaker Dan Mervish. He has a uh, film that's uh, airing on Stars right now. Uh, he's written and directed it. It's called 18 and a half. And, uh, Dan, welcome to the show. This has nothing to do with a Fellini sequel. This is Watergate, right?
2: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not much to do with Fellini. But, uh, yeah, it's a reference to the, um, to the missing 18-and-a-half-minute gap in the Nixon-Watergate tapes. And this is a, uh, a fictional account of what might have happened to that gap. I've
8: seen this. Uh, hi, this is Jan Wall. I've seen it. It's really good. Um, oh, it's thanks, impossible. Jan. possible. Oh yeah, I mean it really holds your interest because it seems very possible that this is what could have happened. A, a yeah, well we, we did
2: yeah yeah we did a lot of research and and you know there really are tapes of of Nixon listening to and erasing his own or, or listening to his own tapes because there were all these different. Offices in the White House complex that had these voice-activated taping systems, and so we just came up with a plausible scenario where someone might have uh, found it. Yeah.
3: Variety thought that this might have gotten an Oscar. You're getting some buzz, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, you know, we went through the um, the Oscar season. We had a we played we had played at 25 festivals around
20: the world, and we had a,
2: a really nice theatrical release last fall. And then, um, yeah, especially with some of our music, that was um, that's actually an area where where indie films can sometimes sometimes sneak into the Oscar right. race. So actually, and, and it's all original uh, songs that I I, I, co- I wrote the lyrics to. My friend Luis wrote the, the music, and um, and yeah, we actually came pretty close to uh, to being an Oscar uh, nominee on that. We were a, definitely a contender. We were in the race for it.
8: Well, it was very—it's sh- so short because it moves so quickly. The characters, there's two characters, two main characters, and um, you know they're both really interesting people. I mean, one is this woman who just happened to find these things, and then this other guy's an investigative reporter of some kind. And wow, they're just really intense characters. I just love them.
2: Uh, Thanks so much, yeah, and we had a a fantastic cast, uh, Willa Fitzgerald, who played Connie, our our female lead, and John Magaro, uh, who played Paul, and and they're just wonderful actors to work with, and and, uh, a lot of people know Willa from, uh, she was in Reacher on Amazon last year, and, uh, and of course, John's been in A Million Things, too, so, yeah, great, great actors, and they really gave their all for the roles. And by
3: the way, uh, Richard Kind—does does, does he always talk like this, or is that just—is that just stick?
2: <laughs> no, that's pretty much Richard. Yeah, that's pretty much him. But you know, this is the second film I did with him. The last film uh, we made with him called Bernard and Huey, and um, and he's just a phenomenal actor. And he can—I mean, most people know him for comedy, but he can do drama and and can really do do all kinds of things. So it's uh, it's just a pleasure to work with him. But yeah, you know, that's I'm, his voice. That's yeah. it. <laughs>
8: He's amazing. He also does musicals on AFI yeah, Salute to course. Mel Brooks. He does the yeah, Inquisition yeah. number. I mean, he's yeah, just yeah. fantastic. Um, but um yeah. okay, so Nixon is a schmuck, you know, kind of because <laughs> he keeps listening, he keeps listening to himself. I mean, it kind of reminded me of Trump in that, you know, some people are just kind of in love with their own power and their own voice. So it yeah. seemed like he would be. It did seem plausible to me this entire thing that he would be, that he would have all this kind of uh, uh, stuff out there that he said and the way he talked. It just, did you doctor those tapes? It sounded just like him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, we we got uh, another terrific actor, Bruce Campbell. Um, you know, most oh. people know from the Evil Dead movies. Um, he plays oh. the voice of Nixon, and, and Bruce wow. and I, and, and my writing, uh, partner Daniel Moya, we, we, you know, we did a lot of research on, on what the real Nixon tapes, uh, cause they're, wow. you know, you can listen to them on there, most of them, a lot of them are online, and, uh-huh. and really getting into the rhythms and the patterns of, of, what those, um, what those conversations were like with, with, wow. uh, Haldeman, his, his aide, and of course we had the great John wow. Pryor play, play his voice. Um, and it was, yeah, it was fascinating going through that. And a lot of what you hear actually, you know, we, we, we grabbed phrases and sentences from other tapes and then wrote them into this kind of best of, you know, our version of the 18 and a half minute gap and then, and then with Bruce's delivery and he's got this great kind of, you know, innate sense of humor and, and gravitas to his voice that is, it's not a an impersonation of Nixon, but it's it's kind of our our interpolation of Nixon, I
8: suppose. You I say. thought it was him. I really did. You know, a couple. <laughs> I, um, down. You know, he's a, got the ego.
3: Yeah. A couple months ago yeah, here, exactly. A couple months ago here in San Francisco, I went to a Sketch Fest. Was the roast of Bruce Campbell with all these comedians and Bruce, right. Bruce in person, still just as fabulous, still just as hilarious.
2: Yeah, oh my and I goodness. heard Kevin Pollak made a joke about our movie eighteen and a half and a Half" at Sketchfest.
3: Yeah, he was there. Um,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so uh, wow. yeah, no, Br- Bruce was great to work with. All all these guys were. It was uh, and and it was tough because we were making this right at right when the pandemic was starting in March of 2020. It was when we started shooting, and we had to shut down after two weeks of production. We had four days left to go. And then all those voice performances that we heard, we did those over Zoom, actually, Mm. in in May of 2020, when no actors could work anywhere. We were like, you know what? We're going to do this little kind of radio drama part of our movie, Um, uh, which was just exciting and encouraging for all of us on the the production. Like, okay, we can keep creating doing this thing. And then six months later, the protocols were safe enough for us to go back and finish the shoot. But but we we just kept plugging away at this thing.
3: And I know when you needed a radio announcer, you, you didn't ask me. You took care of that yourself, right?
2: <laughs> that, that's right. I did, I did it myself. Next time for the sequel, I'll ask you. <laughs> yeah, right.
8: <laughs> um, you know, I've seen this thing twice. How come it's so e- it's easy to get this thing? How have I seen it twice? I mean, I, I you know like it's, it. it's really good. Yeah, well,
2: thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Um, it's it's playing on stars now, as you said. It's, it's oh, also that's I think problem. you can get it. Yeah, yeah okay. you can get it on Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, stars has this great Watergate uh, series, Gaslit last year. So they're kind of running it as a little bit of an accompaniment that's how to I that
8: thought, again, because I love yeah. Gaslit. Your piece <laughs> is it's short it's, though. How's sh- it's pretty short.
2: It's it's how 88 minutes. You know? Eight yeah. eighty-eight minutes. Yeah, yeah, it is short, and it's just so short that you can watch it on airplane. So it's playing on JetBlue. I think that's uh, right now. So um, mm-hmm. uh, that's, a, that's the other way people can see it.
3: You know, you mentioned Willa Fitzgerald, and you know, you talk about a name that's going to grow. Not only is she gorgeous, but she's trained classically at Yale. I mean, she's really going yeah. places.
2: Yeah, no, she she's terrific and and just a, a, like I said, a great pleasure to work with and and we've seen her career really starting to skyrocket, you know, since making the movie, which is which is great too and uh, and still just you know a, a, a wonderful person and supportive of the, of the film.
8: That's funny, Rick. You say she's gorgeous, but in this movie, as I said, I saw it twice. I really watch it. It's really good, and um, she's not gorgeous. She's normal looking. She looks like yeah, any normal yeah. girl that would do this. And that's believability and yeah, um, really yeah. important.
3: Natural beauty. But I'm beauty. sure in real life
8: she's gorgeous and all. But, um, wow, she plays it so down to earth. And, you know, I right. would act exactly like she did in this. I mean, she really wants to know what's going on. And she's not going to yeah. let some dude manipulate
2: her. Well, you know? exactly, and 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 it was interesting. In then last summer, when the Cassidy Hutchinson hearings came out, we realized it was kind of a similar situation where you had this young twenty-five-year-old right. woman working in the White House, and and the question: Does she have the courage to come forward or or right. or, or reveal? the truth about a president that, she, you know, she has conflicted opinions about herself. And we, and we realized like, wow, this is, this is a very relevant story. Very to relevant, time, even though yeah. it, it takes place in 1974.
3: And then what's it like when you get fantastic reviews from, you know, like real uh, critics like Jan and not from, I like this, mo- <laughs> I like this movie.org. Yeah, no, I mean, it is,
2: it is, I it like is your truly network. gratifying. <laughs> Uh, you know, because you make a movie, you know, everybody's out there making IP and Marvel movies and things like this, and this is a totally original story that we came up with, and, and we didn't know for sure if it would work. We didn't know if we would finish making the film when it's, you know, just getting it done was the was the real accomplishment, and then to mm-hmm. the see that people actually like it is into is a wonderful icing on the cake. It, it proves that we weren't just uh, you know spinning our wheels during the year. And
3: then the, the sequel, 19, coming out soon? <laughs>
2: exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're working on that. Um, we're actually working on a, on a stage version of this oh. right now. That's oh, a, That's a little wow. I can tell you. We haven't announced it yet. But, um, yeah, there's been a couple of theater companies that have been interested in it. and uh, so It's we're a very doing an adaptation good idea. It. Yeah, thank you. Thank Perfect. you.
3: What What is, for, you know, before we let you go here, five minutes, your favorite five-minute chunk of this film, do you know?
2: Well, I think when the, towards the end of the movie, when they're listening, when they, the characters are finally listening to the tape, um, it right. really, actually really is a five-minute shot of them right. listening to it, and it was, very challenging to shoot but also gratifying because everybody on the crew was doing stuff there were you know people hiding behind the tvs Uh and under tables and moving things when the camera's moving and it was freezing cold outside and um and it was was just a great testament to everyone on the cast and crew to be able to do that and pull it off in, in in one long take uh especially and and that's when we did that we were like okay we've got something special here that's Right, that's my favorite movie
3: before. The movie's <laughs> called 18 and a Half. Watergate's Biggest Secrets are about to unwind. You can see it now on Stars. and the man who uh, wrote it, directed it, produced it, Dan Mervish, and he's the radio announcer as well. Dan, congratulations <laughs> on the for film.
8: For now, for
2: now, Rick. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank
3: for
2: you, you, Dan. All
3: right, good stuff. And, Jan, um, more wrecks <laughs> oh, on the other side? Yeah. Let's do it. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back with Jan Wall right here on Sports <laughs> Byline.
13: Move your things the right way. Call Colonial Van Lines now for a free quote.
1: Call now to learn more about this special $250 long-distance move discount. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. That's 800-847-0225. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. range and if you have insurance you can get a new cgm at little or no out-of-pocket cost call now and get free shipping of your new cgm plus we'll bill your insurance for you 800-390-5160 800-390-5160 390 5160 that's 800-390-5160 uh,
2: what kind of music do you usually have here
12: Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
3: That hurts my feelings. Uh, Jan Wall, (laughs) what should we be watching or not watching?
8: Okay, well, this is something to actually be reading. It is so good. It's a hot summer read. You will not put this thing down. Listen to this. It's called, Of All the Gin Joints, okay? It's stumbling through Hollywood history. And what it is, it's all the drunk actors and booze-soaked of actors from the 20s to the 70s, and it includes cocktail recipes. So it's got everything like um, Robert Mitchum's hangover re- recipes, um, <laughs> Rock Hudson's uh, and Liz Taylor's uh, romantic invention, separately. Uh, it's just really great, you know? It's got quotes by these drunk actors like Richard Harris saying, I often sit back and think... I wish I'd done that and find out later that I already have. I mean, it's all <laughs> kinds of people who drink, and uh, it's just really fun. Um, you know, it's it's just about drunk Hollywood and about movies about drunk Hollywood. So it's about movies like you know uh, Days of Wine and Roses and The Lost Weekend, but it's also really booze and how there were places like Muso Franks and all these watering holes. Whiskey A Go-Go and all that, where people would come and get drunk and act out. So you've got Jim Morrison and all kinds of that, too. It's a blast. It's called Of All the Gin Joints, and it's by Mark Bailey, stumbling through Hollywood history.
3: Very good. I have another um, turkey to avoid.
8: Oh, good. God, you've got some bad movies.
3: I know. Um, I was all excited when I saw on HBO that they had this thing called White House Plumbers with Woody Harrelson. And he oh, was going. Oh, would
14: be good. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. And he was going to uh, play. uh always hauled them in, but another guy plays Gordon Liddy. Gordon but, Liddy. But but they they play them as like these comedic, fun-loving guys. It's like a, <laughs> It's like a. Con- I had to watch. I watched about a half hour of it, and then I had really? to turn on I had to watch all the Presidents Men for maybe the fifteenth time. One of my favorite movies. Brian. Just to clean Me my palate. It's just, to make these guys like these jokesters, and then it's like comic. G. Gordon Liddy was the most serious man. I read his book, Will, in high school. The guy would hold his hand over a candle. He ate a A rat. (laughs) Yeah, he tied himself to a tree in a lightning storm. He checked his future wife's, uh, her grades and her um, athletic accomplishments to check her pedigree. I mean, he was the most serious guy ever, and they make him seem like a comic character, and I didn't like it.
8: Wow. Why did they do
3: that? And Woody Harrelson is so darn good. Yeah, I, I was disappointed. So I thought I was getting another true detective there. So, all right, hey Jan, as always, <laughs> good stuff. Thanks for coming by.
8: Okay, bye bye.
3: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Daryl Hammond in studio. Before that, Liz Glazer. We got a little comedy in the second hour, so come on back.
20: USA News I'm Richard Johnson so far not too awful at one of the biggest crossings between the USA and Mexico El Paso NBC correspondent Julia Ainsley has been watching the flow of migrants since the expiration of Title 42 early this morning.
8: It could be that it's in the coming days that we'll see the real impact of Title 42 lifting because it's once the border patrol facilities as processing centers get full and then they release to the shelters, the shelters get full, that we'll see more people sleeping on the street.
20: The new policy known as Title 8 mandates that people who want asylum apply before they reach the border. In Brownsville, Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz says that's not good.
21: This is the Amazon version of illegal immigration. They're going to make it fast and deliver them anywhere in the country.
20: And last night, a Florida judge temporarily blocked the plan to let migrants who have applied for asylum stay in the USA until their cases are resolved. That was implemented to stop overcrowding at detention centers. The man seen on video choking another man to death on a New York City subway has surrendered to police. Daniel Penny is expected to face a charge of second-degree manslaughter in the death of Jordan Neely. Southwest Airlines says it's fully staffed and ready for the summer travel rush. But Southwest pilots have authorized their union to call a strike should contract talks break down. Union officials say 99% of its 10,000 members voted for strike authorization. Spring in the Pacific Northwest usually means high temperatures in the 70s, but not today. It could hit 90 in Portland and Seattle thanks to a high-pressure system that stretches into the plains of Canada. That's bad news in Alberta, where several large wildfires have been burning for several days. The University of Michigan's ongoing track of how we feel about the economy is taking a sharp turn down. The measure of consumer confidence has fallen by about 9% from last month, erasing the gains of that gauge in the past few months. This is USA News.
16: Leary 71's backed up. What's your 20 over?
0: Olivia needs more drivers for her trucking
16: company I to go the
0: extra mile. Got three
16: more stops to make.
0: She wants to hitch a team to drive business forward.
16: Lots of double nickels on the
0: 169. You know what I'm over? This driver shortage. Indeed can over. help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed, you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. My friend and I are taking a trip to Mexico this year, but neither of us speak Spanish. So we downloaded Babbel and started learning Spanish fast.
18: Want to start getting conversational in another language in as little as three weeks? Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons were designed by language experts to be the most efficient and effective way to learn a new language.
10: ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas?
18: Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at babbel.com. That's b-a-b-b-e-l.com. More Tesla
20: troubles. It's recalling all of its electric vehicles sold in China thanks to a braking problem that might increase the risk of a crash. Most of Tesla's cars sold in China are made in China, but a few come from the Tesla plant in the San Francisco Bay Area. We often hear that the problem with mass shootings in the USA is a mental health issue more than a gun issue.
5: We'll continue to look at how we can find a way to identify individuals who, because of their mental illness, should not be able to purchase firearms.
20: Texas Senator John Cornyn's not happy to learn how non-reporting of mental health issues can lead to tragedy, like the eight people killed at a suburban Dallas mall. That shooter had been kicked out of the military during basic training.
5: The separation from the military without any formal adjudication looks like it's fallen through those cracks.
20: Bud Cornyn also says he opposes a ban on assault-style weapons. He says millions of those weapons are in the hands of law-abiding citizens. Another state's considering making women liable for criminal charges if they have an abortion. Alabama lawmakers are looking at a bill that would let prosecutors charge women with murder. The bill would also grant the right to life and equal protection for unborn children. A Southern California a woman's fighting to keep her two pigs, calling them emotional support animals. Oxnard, California bans keeping pigs as pets in the city. The woman's asking for an exception because she uses the pigs to cope with depression and anxiety. Rich Johnson, USA News.
1: It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. That's 855-325-5647.
16: Rick
15: Tittle
2: knows his sports.
13: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the uh, show. Tom Brady to the Raiders. What? Well, kinda... What does that mean? Uh, According to reports from ESPN and Adam Schefter, that um, Tom Brady is going to buy a piece of the Raiders from Mark Davis that will still require at least two-thirds, that's 24 of all owners, to approve his limited partnership. And his looming television career as Fox number one color uh, color analyst will not begin this year but in 2024 that's because he signed a 10 year 375 million dollars with Fox but because Brady would not hold a a position of authority with the Raiders and that would not be a conflict of uh, interest in his media employment uh, responsibilities now last month Brady acquired an ownership stake in the WNBA Las Vegas Aces, which is owned by Mark Davis. And apparently Tom Brady was looking into buying a part of the Dolphins two years ago. So there would be some irony in Brady gaining an ownership stake in the Raiders since it was the Tuck game in 2001 that led to the beginning of the Patriots' dynasty and his Hall of Fame run. And uh, this is also just the latest potential move by the Raiders that has ties to New England. Obviously, Josh McDaniels, uh, Ziegler, Garoppolo, Chandler Jones, Jacoby Myers, Patriots East. So uh, or West. <laughs> I guess the real Patriots are in the East. All right, one eight hundred eight seven eight play. Uh, Daryl Hammond is scheduled to appear at 1025. We hope he makes it in studio. He's at the Punchline. Coming up next, though, comedian Liz Glazer has a new album, and we'll talk to her in the third hour. Carlos Mencia, Mind of Mencia, Comedy Central, remember? He's at the San Jose Improv. He'll be in at 1125. But your call's at 1-800-878-PLAY. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
18: Yep, even those in early stages.
0: This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Coligard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon
18: cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit coligard.com.
16: I'm in.
7: Check out Channel 9. Check out Rick
3: Tittle. All right, check me out. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Coming up in the next segment, Daryl Hammond in studio. But we're going to get the comedy going right now with stand-up comedian Liz Glazer. Coming out today from Blonde Medicine, her debut comedy LP entitled A Very Particular Experience Liz, welcome to the show here. And um, I know you're oh, you're like ten years in, but I mean that's like these these comedians now they do an album six months in, they're not ready. You're yeah. you're ready, aren't you?
8: I I do think so. Um, and you know I'm not somebody who's like oh you gotta wait, you know until you're a hundred years in or something <laughs> like that, but. Because people really have opinions like that. So, yes, I waited 10 years. This is the debut album. Um, and also, you're right about people doing them earlier, and that's okay, too.
3: You know, there are some comedians like Sam Mark Norman, joke, 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 joke. Mm-hmm. And then there are some comedians yeah. that I've had in studio as well, like Daniel Sloss, who will tell very serious stories, yeah. peppered in with punchlines. Yeah. You're you're more in the latter, Right.
8: Yeah, and well, particularly um, on this album. And so this album arose from an experience that was just necessarily dark and hard. And I really wanted to, to do the album about it. And so even if my style, if you see me, you know, at a club doing 5, 10, even 15 minutes, it might be a little more punchline heavy in terms of, like, you know, there are a lot of punchlines on the album, but it's just, like, necessarily due to the subject matter, it's got to have some breathing space in order to do what I wanted to do on this album.
3: You're a uh, survivor, uh, well, I should say, you're the granddaughter of four Holocaust survivors. So how does that sort of, can can I call it... (laughs) Can I call it an inherited trauma that you have?
8: I think so. And that was definitely something I wanted to explore on the album directly, you know, through like funny stories and jokes about it. Um, but yes, I think that's absolutely. I suppose like it's not something that we can, or at least that I have the capacity to prove, right? Like it's like, okay, well, I'm scared a lot. <laughs> and also, my grandparents survived the Holocaust. Do those things inform each other? Probably. But, you know, I I don't know how you can be sure. You know what I mean?
3: Mm -hmm. So were they uh, like Polish or Dutch and were sent to concentration Mm -hmm. camps? What was the story?
8: Yeah. So my mom's side was in Poland and to my experience hid, um, and to my knowledge rather, I, I think that my grandfather had a number tattooed if I'm not wrong mm-hmm. uh, my grandfather was an electrician I know this and I, I guess had like he was able to fix a radio tower this is the story that's been handed down um, not to say it isn't true I just, you know obviously I wasn't there but like he could fix the radio tower, and so the Nazis, I guess, were looking for him. And my grandmother on my mom's side, also in Poland, looked very not Jewish. She was, like, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, just, like, didn't look Jewish, could pass on the streets of Poland and did so and would hide herself and my grandfather, who was, like, you know, a little more stereotypical, like, 5'2", you know, just kind of a Jewish-looking guy, Um And that's the story on that side. And then my dad's side, my dad himself was born in Riga, in Latvia. Mm -hmm. And that's where his parents were as well. That side of the family now is in Israel. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't, there was always a language barrier there. I spoke Russian when I was very little. That's my my dad spoke as well. Mm -hmm. And Latvian. But like in Riga, you, at the time, um, people spoke Russian. Mm -hmm. I don't know if things have changed. But in any event, um, I don't know 100% the story there, if they hid or were in concentration camps because A, a language barrier, as mentioned, but also, you know, I didn't have on either side, grandparents who were like, let me tell you Mm -hmm. everything about this experience. They, I I like to say this, that like, you know, first of all, I think my grandmother on my mom's side was probably the most talkative and she died the first of the grandparents. and so I just, you know, I sort of remember talking to her when I was like four years old. But, um, you know, they weren't like a super talkative bunch. I grew up being very like, you know, keep keep everything close to the chest, which I think is a little bit why I do what I do now. Because I'm like, okay, well, if they survive, what was the point if I'm not going to be loud? You know, I mean, it's, it's also my personality, but like. You know i don't I don't know hundred percent of the stories because I think of those personality traits for all four of the grandparents, I would say
3: now, I think you're the perfect person to ask this. Do you feel that there are categories in comedy that are off limits, like trans like the Holocaust, or is everything open sure. to you? yeah what do you think?
8: Yeah I do think everything's open categorically, mm-hmm. and then the question. You know, I'm not breaking ground by saying it's got to be funny, right? And then the question is like, what does that mean? And I, I trust myself, you know, in terms of my own point of view. I'm, I never, I didn't get into comedy to insult anybody. I didn't get into comedy to make any, anybody feel left out. And so, you know, I really do trust my voice in that way. Where it's like, I knew I wanted to do an album, an album about stillbirth. Because that was something that happened to me and because I wanted to treat it in a way that would be delicate and sensitive and also true to the experience and funny to the extent that it struck me genuinely and truthfully as funny. Um, and so, you know, I say this on the album itself and it's very much what I believe is that, you know, I wasn't, I'm not making fun of any of the grief on the, the album that I talk about. Um, I talk about grieving my dad. I talk about the stillbirth of our first daughter, Leo Pearl, and I also bring up the example of my cat Mona, who died. And each of those is a different kind of grief, and that's the reason that they're all brought up in the hour. Because, or I guess it's fifty-four minutes and forty-five seconds, which I love because it's a palindrome. But um, (laughs) but anyway, (laughs) and also it all adds up to eighteen because it's nine and nine and eighteen for Jews. I mean, it's such like Jewish OCD. You know what I mean? I played golf the other day. I know we're not going to talk about sports, but you have sports in the title, and I was thinking about it. Mm. The only time I've ever done anything 18 times, like just 18 holes of golf is a lot. (laughs) Okay? I don't know if that's ruffling feathers on the part of your listeners, but it's a lot. And I'm playing golf with my neighbor, and, like, you know, I'm trying to get through it. I like her. You know, whatever. It's like a lesbian friend across the street. I really like her. I want to be friends. And, and it was like a fun day, but I'm like, the only time I've ever done anything 18 times is because of Jewish superstition. <laughs> and meanwhile, we gotta let, if we were playing all 18 holes, we would still be on the golf course. <laughs> like, I kid you not. So, so anyway, um, but yeah, I think all topics are fine in theory, right? And then, you know, I mean, and I, and I don't, I'm not the police. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care if somebody makes a joke about anything. I'm not going to make a joke that I don't feel good about. And I don't feel good about being mean or dismissive or any of those things in my life. You know, so not on stage either.
3: Well, that's great stuff. And you can check out more on the album. A very particular experience from Blonde Medicine out today from our guest, Liz Blazer, Liz, congratulations, and thanks for coming Hi, by.
8: thank you so much for having
3: me. All right, good stuff. Daryl Hammond in studio. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
7: Mom and Dad are such a loving pair. But the house really jumped when the temper is clear. They promise to love to get to the part. I
14: wonder if my parents will ever be a part. When mommy's up in the night, I thrill to see you.
19: We've been helping inventors
21: since 1984. Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call 1-800-356-7308. That's 1-800-356-7308. Again, 1-800-356-7308.
10: Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills... stop overpaying and call right now
1: paid for by steel man pills 800-965-1295 800-965-1295 800-965-1295 that's 800-965-1295
2: you can't
6: be serious man you cannot be serious
12: Rick Tittle is a majestic stallion.
3: Thanks for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you nationally syndicated and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. And you can see if you're watching on Twitch.tv on our little high-def webcam there that the great Daryl Hammond is now with us in studio. We're quite glad to have him. He's at the Punchline here in San Francisco. He has two shows tonight. He has two shows uh, tomorrow as well. And we were just talking off the air about the time you got bumped by Mick Jagger on a character that you had been working on.
11: Well, you know, only for the week, you know, um, that's which is the way it runs over at SNL. 99% of the time you don't get even 24 hours. You could get the part on a Wednesday, um, for instance, and not do it until Saturday, but you're working on other stuff. You don't have more than a handful of hours to put something together. But I put something together I really liked. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, Jagger comes in after Wednesday, and
3: it was for Carl Lagerfeld, the yeah. fashion guy.
11: Yeah. All right. And uh, someone from uh, Lauren's office comes up and goes, "Hey, Mick Jagger wants to play your part." I'm like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Mick Jagger says he does a great Carl Lagerfeld, and he <laughs> wants to play your part. And I'm like, "Mick Jagger?" He goes, "Yeah, <laughs> wants to play my part." Yeah, good.
3: Good. He got bumped by one of the biggest stars ever. So I'm
11: like De Niro in Goodfellas when he was when he was like sampling Joe Pesci's mom's food. He's like good. <laughs> good.
3: <laughs> I remember um Spade told this David Spade told the story and then he's trying to write himself in and and he has nothing. He finally comes up with the and you are the guy at mm-hmm. the front desk. Mm-hmm. And Bowie was on the show that day, and Bowie goes, "Oh, I like this. I'll be the and I'll be the guy going, and you are." And Spade said, "No," mm-hmm. and so they just canceled it, and they had to bring it back a few weeks later. But he's like, "If I don't keep very that, smart, I'll have nothing." You very
11: know? smart, because that was going to be a hit for him.
3: Mm-hmm. And then, of course, then he had Bye" on the plane. Yeah,
11: but I mean, for him to say to Bowie, "No." Um, you're going to be out of here, and, and I'm going to be back here looking for another hit character. Right. And I'm going to hold on to this one.
3: I always hear, because I listen to that Fly on the Wall podcast with uh, Dana Carvey right. and, and Spade, and that read-through, was it Tuesdays is the read-through?
11: Uh, Wednesday is the read-through. Tuesdays is all-day. That's
3: all the all-nighter, nighter. okay. All right. But, like, trying to, you know, it, sometimes they would write the name of a sketch just to hear Lauren say it to make themselves laugh, you know. <laughs> No, like tiny little baby wants a baby bottle booty, <laughs> something like that. I've never heard this story and yet. It's got me. It's got me smiling. Now, can you even? I'm sure people have count how many characters that you did over the years.
11: I I don't think I can. You know, and I, I think if if someone, you know, like I'm doing this thing for for National Public Radio next week, what we're going to talking about doing impressions at snl and i i want to what's it called stip stipulate stipulate that i'm an snl impressionist with all the degrees of difficulty involved and the no really no time to learn this part Mm, thing right and also um it seems to me i learned a hundred that never even made it out of read-through wow
3: what was your favorite one that uh, maybe you even got it in dress, but it never aired. God, I, I don't know. There's too many?
11: A lot. It's a lot. Yeah, <clears throat> a lot. So and when
3: then, you when you would hear, though, if, let's say you'd have De Niro, and you'd hear, do, would you, like, recuse yourself and just watch stuff and try over and over and over again, or did it just kind of come to you?
11: No, it doesn't come to me, and if it does come to me, it's because of work that I did in years past. Mm-hmm. You know, if it comes to me quickly, it's because I've done something like it before, mm-hmm. you know. But all of this goes back to work that I started doing uh, as a teenager, you know, and continued on and really buckled down on between the ages of 30 and 39. When um, I started, I became obsessed with this idea if I made one little improvement per week. mm would that snowball into something much, much bigger at the end of the year, and it turns out it does. You don't even have to make 52 improvements, even if you make 20 improvements in a year. I mean, it's stuff, stuff I got out of a book. I couldn't have thought of that on my
3: own. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. that was the one that, uh, I mean, And I remember hearing Dana talk about when he meant H- George H.W. Bush, and, mm-hmm. and Bush loved it. How did Clinton like your Clinton?
11: Well, he acted real nice to me, mm-hmm. just as nice as he could be. I mean up to and including me walking, uh, asking permission to attend uh, one of his lectures before the California Bar Exam uh, Association, which he did without a script, and mentioned my name twice. It was a really heady experience. Mm. You know, we were staying it was in the same hotel I was in and I called the front desk and said will you please ask the Secret Service so I can come listen to the President talk? I mean, I'd already met him before Mm-hmm and he was just as gracious as he could be. I think Cheney was the one that liked it best. <laughs> he did. Cheney was a good laugher.
3: And that that was the old, like, one side of the cheek, right, kind of thing?
11: Yeah, I made up a guy that um that could be both sides of the aisle could laugh at. So I made up, we made up at SNL this wisecracking tough guy that mm-hmm. borderline, you know, on the penguin, apparently. But... <laughs> Um, you know, with the side leer, uh-huh. um, and it connected with both audiences. You know, I wasn't one of these guys. I mean, you know, we're sort of in a day and age now where you got to pick your side. You know, yeah, you're gonna play Trump like Alec Baldwin or mm-hmm. or not. And you, correct me if I'm wrong, did you think
3: that you were gonna be the guy being Trump and then Alec? They and Lauren said, No, Alec's gonna do it.
11: I mean, I. I don't exactly recall there were different explanations offered but the one that I kept getting was that they were getting into stunt casting. And so now so, so they would mm-hmm. hire movie stars.
14: Mm.
11: You know. I mean, I had been I had received quite of a I think a bit a lot of attention internationally and gotten, you know, write, write-ups in major publications. And uh, I think Daily Beast even called me america's trump and i was preparing for uh you know this uh this big town hall meeting with cnn and i remember the day that it all got just snuffed snuffed out wow and um network tv man it's it's useless to complain about what happens at gladiator camp (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) like you're in the nfl and you're like that guy hit me a little bit too hard today People right. don't, care. They don't want to hear that. No, the guy was really mean to me. He clotheslined me, man. <laughs> I could clothesline today, dude. The um,
3: When you did Gore, was it you or, or Downey or Smigel? Who came up with Lockbox?
11: Well, Gore came up with Lockbox. But I mean to, to emphasize it, though. Jim Downey. Yeah. Like, I had been working on Gore for a year, taking him on stage at the cellar literally 300 times, and I, I think I was doing a really accurate Gore... But at the time, you know, the only thing we knew about Gore was that he was a nice guy, works hard, does well. When you're flying under that flag, people just tend to leave you alone. It's like mm-hmm. elephants in Africa. <laughs> you know, all all those bad boys are out there eating everybody until the elephant walks out and they suddenly sort of settle down. Mm. But so I had nothing. We we had even taken him on in dress rehearsal. We're looking for a hook. So Downey... And Gore supplied it, you know as the sort of overbearing school teacher in the first debate of two thousand and Downey just picked that up and turned it into a franchise
3: and Did you meet Al Gore? yeah, what did Several he times. What did he say about it? He was
11: a really good sport, I mean, I had someone from u s News and World Report tell me one day that I'd lost the election for him, and <laughs> I took that to heart for a while really right And there was another guy there from the Washington Port who goes. Gore didn't let Clinton campaign for him in Tennessee. He pretty much lost that one himself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much lost. It. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He kind of lost it. Him, so he, he wouldn't let campaign cam- Clinton campaign in Tennessee. Yeah, he lost his home state. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's rare. Even Mondale, when he lost 49-1, to took Minnesota. <laughs> I remember.
11: I mean... <laughs> Clinton was a magician at the time. Still is. I guess if he ever wanted to be again, he probably could be. But, you know, Clinton, like Trump, like Reagan, like Churchill, like Stalin, like Pol Pot, like Mao Zedong, understood that people want to feel before they think. It's more important to make them feel than think. Mm. You know, they... They'd rather be led. It's not that they want to be led by the nose, but when you're campaigning with them, they want you. you get them fired up about something, mm-hmm. and, and build a wall. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, or you were screwed, right? You know, and you know, and after that real estate, uh, you know, scam that was detailed in the movie, what was it? The Big Short. Big Short. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't have far to go with that one. You know and so he comes in and he adopts some stuff from Huey Long in Louisiana um, which was it's not me thereafter it's you I'm just in their way and Trump can sell man and he sells that in 10 different ways and that's the franchise there that's the fish chum I mean when I was on Broadway with Michael Moore, I just did one night, and he wanted to call Trump stupid. And I said, "Do you really think cunning is not a form of intelligence?"
3: Mm. No, it's true. We got to run to a break. We're going to come back in studio. We got another segment with Daryl Hammond. He is at the Punchline here in San Francisco. Two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back with Daryl Hammond.
4: Next up, Straight Talk from Doug.
3: Ever notice that saying no offense is offensive? Like, no offense, but you're
4: overpaying for your wireless. See? Offensive. <laughs> That's the Straight Talk Talker. Get unlimited plans as low as $35 a month from Straight Talk, on America's most reliable 5G network. Available at Walmart and Walmart.com. On the $35 plan, 1st ten gigabytes data at high speed, then 2G speeds. Refer to the latest terms at StraightTalk.com. Based on most first-place rankings, root metrics, second-half 2022 assessments of 125 metros. Experiences vary, not an endorsement.
15: If you're struggling to keep up with conversations, avoiding restaurants because you can't understand the waiter...
2: it doesn't really matter i uh i don't like my job and uh i don't think i'm gonna go anymore
12: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: All right, thank you for that. Welcome back to the uh, show. Daryl Hammond is in studio with us. He's at the Punchline. We just got a guy text in saying, I haven't heard a Pol Pot reference for a while. A so he said, good po- good pull a Pol Pot reference. Well, yeah. Khmer Rouge. Let's spend the next segment just talking no, about No, make it. them feel. Yes, make them feel. Um, we were talking about McCain, a guy who I admire very very much and not just because my dad was also a naval officer i just always admired the guy and talked about his concession speech instead mm-hmm. of being like dukakis saying this isn't over he's like this is a great day we elected a an african-american he hosted snl mm-hmm. i remember because that was the day the white stripes were on mm-hmm. that was a great show mm-hmm. um i remember uh, fred armison did his like uh, venezuelan guy oh i'm mm-hmm. just kidding guy mm-hmm. now you'd you were there. You talked to McCain a lot, right? I
11: got to talk to him a fair amount um, on two separate occasions. When I say a fair amount, I mean five, possibly even eight minutes, mm-hmm. ten minutes, like something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had an affinity for him from jump, you know, and I, I didn't actually understand until my father died, who was a soldier, that that's what that was about. And so I debuted, I, I think, a really nice um, impression of John McCain – the year previous to his presidential final presidential run. And I had done a, I thought it was a nice McCain and everyone else thought so too, and got well reviewed. But during that summer and my, the stuff about my dad, you know, my father, the end of his life was him saying, you know, I I was a good soldier. And he was. And, but I, I wasn't the dad that I, I should have been. And to say, that he had let his anger be more important to him than his children was a magical moment, like a God moment, where I, I got it. A soldier. He never really came home from one fighting what he called verifiable evil. You know, the guy's not a religious guy, but he's like, he's talking about what I saw was biblical stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to have fought that. Recently, I, I watched the, the most recent version of All Quiet on the Western Front yeah. you know, about World War One, and I realized my dad lived there. He was in that. you know. And then seeing my father wake up over the years with the nightmares and screaming and, and at, at night, not all the time, it, less and less as time went by, but it did happen. And um, then at the end of his life, to bond with him on that level, McCain wasn't someone I really wanted to play anymore. So you see in, in the following season, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. And, you know, part of part of impersonating someone is you exaggerate stuff about them, and one of those things is the body. I wasn't going to do it. Yeah, wasn't going to do it. I couldn't do it. And to take the body out of an impression, you might as well kill the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what ended up happening. You,
3: you've been well documented with your, your childhood and issues that you had with your mm-hmm. your mom as well. Um, so just ask, how are you doing now with, with all that stuff? How do
11: I look? Do I look okay? You look great. Seem to be doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of shows this year, a lot of clubs, some casinos, some one-nighters. I've done a lot of performance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with something like PTSD, it's a work in progress. It doesn't, it's sort of like emptying the ocean with a pail. You know, you still have to do you know, your cognitive, cognitive therapy stuff and my yoga stuff and and uh, my 12-step meetings and all of that stuff. There's, a, there's cognitive therapy on your own, and then there's therapy with a doctor as well. Um, and I've been at it a long time, and I feel like I've reaped the rewards of it. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, to have days where I'm comfortable, just comfortable, not joy jumps, not jumping up in the air shouting Eureka. It's uh, astonishing. And it comes as the result of, I mean, decades of work.
13: And and, and
11: Lauren Michaels health insurance, <laughs> if I'm to be frank.
3: Yeah. I remember Bill Hader saying that before every show, he would get physically sick and he had to go throw up. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, the issues you were dealing with, like, sometimes in between sketches, like wardrobe changing. I'm mean, How are you able to... I mean, it's amazing that you were able to conquer that and come through looking like you were just absolutely fine.
11: Yeah, Lauren yeah, Michaels has weird theories, uh, interesting theories. Uh, things that I heard that he said, but apparently I'm good under fire.
3: Yeah, you like pressure. It's,
11: it's the, well, I know it. I know what it's like. Pressure mm-hmm. is a parent standing there with a knife. <laughs> that they intend to use on you. Oh. That's pressure. Not a scaffolding falling on your head or something like that. I hate to be so dark about it, but mm-hmm. there it is. But also you
3: still, and like I said, tell me if I'm wrong, you still loved your parents. It's not like you hated them, right?
11: It's impossible not to love your parents. I mean, it wasn't until the end, of, the very, very end of my therapy and the very, very end of my mother's life when I got a full sense of all the things she had done, but in the treatment center that I was in, we made sure we understood where she came from, okay? How that she was not born this way. She was created, and she was created by horrific circumstances. And, you know, as the doctor said to me, and, you know, I wrote a play about it. It may or may not be mounted. I mean, they were going to mount it twice. It was at La Jolla Playhouse long story um you know nothing frees you capture any faster than a little sympathy for the devil when you feel some sympathy for them and then you forgive them in the way that martin luther king describes forgiveness in his diary you know and it's not for them it's for you to cut them loose and say i'm sure there's a god and god will know what to do with this this is not this is not stuff a human can do
14: Mm
3: mm-hmm well, the title of your book—if you're not up there, God, I'm effed, something like that.
11: Yes, uh, God, if you're not up there, I'm effed. And my second book I'm working on now called "Monsters Also Cry."
3: Mm. Let's talk about something fun. Sure. <laughs> Sean Connery, Suck at Trebek—that whole thing. Did you ever think <laughs> that that would take off like it
11: did? No. I, <laughs> it was one of those ones. <clears throat> I'm thinking, you know, on the Tuesday night you mentioned earlier. I really had nothing. I just had nothing, man. The well was dry. My eye kept being drawn to this movie, The Untouchables, with Sean Connery.
14: Mm
11: -hmm. Right? That's where I was at. I'm like, I couldn't. I knew I should be working on something that I could probably get on the air, but I couldn't. I was just drawn. So I'm sitting in my office, and uh, Will Ferrell's office was across the hall at that time, I believe. And I just was doing this over. Over and over again, I'd go. You don't have to think about it. Just nod. Don't have to think about it. Just nod. You know, I'm not proposing marriage. You know, like that. And Will Ferrell was there, and it was just like this weird impromptu thing. Mm-hmm. Not a fan of the ladies. I got back. and a franchise was born. I remember the first time we went out there, fully expected. Because I mean, the weirdest thing about the audience sort of has to understand your premise and kind of agree with it to laugh at it. That's why you would only get in a demo, room full of Democrats and Republicans, you might only get half the room. Because mm-hmm. only half the room will, will agree. But here's something that no one would ever think to agree on. <laughs> the Connery is stupid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That he's homophobic right. or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But as uh, Lauren Michael said later, it was just so darn silly. Yeah,
3: it was well, just so silly. You and then Norm doing the Turd Ferguson, uh, Burt Reynolds. Like you two guys. I mean, that's just it's just double crush right there.
11: I didn't. I hadn't watched them for years, and someone encouraged me to watch them. And you know, I think of some of the writers there, the Emmy winners all.
3: Yeah. Coming up with that's not what your mother said oh, last night, God. Trebek. <laughs> <laughs>
11: <laughs> <laughs> the last time Greg and I were in San Francisco. um. We were right around the financial district somewhere, and a guy comes out of of a restaurant, yelled out "Moo." I said, "What is moo?" That's the sound your mother makes. (laughs) And I'm like, all these years later, in Chinatown, in San Francisco, Uh, you know, that's when you know you've hit something. It transfers cultures. (laughs) You know, it's just like leapfrog. You know,
3: what is um, an impression? Of all the characters, you know, over a hundred that you did
11: for SNL, there were, no,
3: that no, for SNL no. that you loved, that got maybe a tepid response, and you're like, "Oh, I nailed that! Come on!" I don't know. Or just maybe one of your favorites, like you just love doing
11: that guy. Um, something weird happened when I was going to do James Gandolfini, and I thought mm. I had a really good Tony Soprano. I was really happy with my Tony uh-huh. Soprano.
3: And, well, I got to hear a little bit now. Please. Well, you might. Okay, <laughs> stand by.
11: Um, and this was the night that the scaffolding fell on my head. This was the night I had glue in my eye. This was the night when the cue cards weren't ready. As we, as we went to air, there was nothing to say, mm. and um, I got so flustered. I confess, I just started doing like Marlon Brando. Mm. I couldn't. I was like, what the, what am I? Doing? You know, I'm like, we're at the bottom of Bing when, You know, I was like, no, that's not it. That's not <laughs> it. But it, it worked well enough to get the laugh. Uh.
3: Uh-huh. So you were doing Marlon Brando doing Tony Soprano,
11: something like that. But yeah. you can't cuss on this station,
3: right? No, because we're know. over the air. Yeah, we're in. We'll lose the Tulsa affiliate.
11: Okay. <laughs> I just had a dinner with him one night, and he was asking me about Brando my drink. or Gandolfini. Gandolfini. Wow, he's asking me about my drinking, but I can tell you off the air, it was one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> well,
3: what 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 were some of your like catchphrases that you had Gandolfini saying? Like I, that, you were gonna call it was the one night and okay. he was
11: lost to a scaffolding.
3: Wow, who was the guy? I want to say Jeff Daniels. Maybe it wasn't him, but they put the plaster on him and he couldn't breathe. And they said, "If you throw up, you'll die."
11: Who was that? He
3: was a host. Maybe it was before your time. It's this, this legendary story. They wanted to get a mask of him, and they put this uh, plaster. Yeah.
11: Uh, um, what do they call that? I should know what they call plaster it. plaster of yeah. Paris. Or it's a mask. It's uh-huh. it's like um, there are death masks for they call them, but I mean it's just a plaster. It's a plaster of Paris mold of your face, which shows all mm-hmm. extensions.
3: Death mask for cutie, huh? Something like that. What? That's a little death cab for cutie joke. Daniel, we're gonna roll it. We're gonna come back. We we'll have three minutes left with okay. the great Daryl Hammond here at the punchline. Come on back on Sports Byline.
1: That's 800-943-2153.
20: I don't even recognize myself anymore. I'm really worried
12: about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever.
5: Hey, look, I I never wanted to start using. I, I knew the drill, but
20: I was out of options.
5: I just want to tell him it's not your
12: fault. There are people out there who can help. People who have felt your pain.
1: That's 800-378-3508. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
16: President Biden recently released a massive $6 trillion budget, the largest budget in U.S. history. And guess who pays the bill? That's right, you, the American taxpayer. American citizens and business owners will be paying more taxes. That's a fact.
12: thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: Can't thank Daryl Hammond enough for coming in. Make sure to see him tonight. Two shows at the Punchline. Two shows tomorrow night at the Punchline here on uh, Battery Street. Let me throw this at you, Daryl. Uh-huh. Uh, someone who's in town playing the A's over in Oakland with the Texas Rangers is Bruce Bochy, guy who has three World Series rings. Mm-hmm. Your former high school baseball teammate?
11: And Babe Ruth League and American Legion. Wow. Yeah, and a guy that used to pitch to me, uh, pitch batting practice to me, and uh, just one of the most interesting fellows you'd ever meet in your life, just so quiet and mm-hmm. so smart. And, 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 of course, seeing Bochi who became a big league catcher, Yeah, to see him play next to the ordinariness of me, of guys like me who <laughs> tried so hard. Oh my God! I have we all that bad, I'm working out. I'm trying so hard. You know, in the first day we saw Bochi throw from behind the plate when he was 13 years old. We we realized that this league won't be the same as it was. Wow! So even then you could tell. I think you could. Between 13 and 15, a guy the, a mm-hmm. guy that can throw a rope to second base has got a major league arm already. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it came from God.
3: Um, before we let you go, um, I believe it's three more years till the 50th anniversary party. Um, first of all, how was the 40th? The party? Yeah.
11: I don't go to those parties.
3: Well, I just mean the show, when everybody got together. It, Even in the audience, everybody was famous.
11: It, it, so many moments at SNL I've given up trying to describe, you know, walking by a room where Archie and Peyton and Eli are discussing something in another room where LeBron, LeBron James is standing there. Pavarotti's down the hall. You can't, <laughs> describing all of that, you know, Chappelle's coming in my dressing room, you know, for, looking for a bottle of water. I mean, uh, the Super Bowl uh, MVP, uh, Von Miller, in Canaan's dressing room like 12 feet from me. How do you describe it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So to me, it's a little bit like trying to comprehend the moon. I will say, the farther I get away from it, the better I'm able to understand how special.
3: Absolutely special. And also was. check him out at the Punchline tonight and tomorrow, as I mentioned. A, great to have you in, man.
11: Hell of an interview, dude.
3: Thank you. I really Hell appreciate of a damn that. Good interview. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, we got another hour coming back. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll see you in a second.
20: USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. So far, not too awful at one of the biggest crossings between the USA and Mexico, El Paso. NBC correspondent Julia Ainsley has been watching the flow of migrants since the expiration of Title 42 early this morning.
8: It could be that it's in the coming days that we'll see the real impact of Title 42 lifting. Because it's once the Border Patrol facilities as processing centers get full and then they release to the shelters, the shelters get full, that we'll see more people sleeping on the street.
20: The new policy, known as Title 8, mandates that people who want asylum apply before they reach the border. In Brownsville, Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz says that's not good.
21: This is the Amazon version of illegal immigration. They're going to make it fast and deliver them anywhere in the country.
20: And last night, a Florida judge temporarily blocked the plan to let migrants who have applied for asylum stay in the USA until their cases are resolved. That was implemented to stop overcrowding at detention centers. The man seen on video choking another man to death on a New York City subway has surrendered to police. Daniel Penny is expected to face a charge of second-degree manslaughter in the death of Jordan Neely. Southwest Airlines says it's fully staffed and ready for the summer travel rush. But Southwest pilots have authorized their union to call a strike should contract talks break down. Union officials say 99% of its 10,000 members voted for strike authorization. Spring in the Pacific Northwest usually means high temperatures in the 70s, but not today. It could hit 90 in Portland and Seattle, thanks to a high-pressure system that stretches into the plains of Canada. That's bad news in Alberta, where several large wildfires have been burning for several days. The University of Michigan's ongoing track of how we feel about the economy is taking a sharp turn down. The measure of consumer confidence has fallen by about 9% from last month, erasing the gains of that gauge in the past few months. This is USA News.
16: Leroy, 71's backed up. What's your 20? Over.
0: Olivia needs more drivers for her trucking company to go the extra mile. three
16: more stops to make.
0: She wants to hitch a team to drive business forward.
16: Lots of double nickels on the
15: 169.
0: You know what I'm over? This driver shortage. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. My friend and I are taking a trip to Mexico this year, but neither of us speak Spanish. So we downloaded Babbel and started learning Spanish fast.
18: Want to start getting conversational in another language in as little as three weeks? Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons were designed by language experts to be the most efficient and effective way to learn a new language.
10: ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas?
18: Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com.
20: More Tesla troubles. It's recalling all of its electric vehicles sold in China thanks to a braking problem that might increase the risk of a crash. Most of Tesla's cars sold in China are made in China, but a few come from the Tesla plant in the San Francisco Bay Area. We often hear that the problem with mass shootings in the USA is a mental health issue more than a gun issue.
5: We'll continue to look at how we can find a way to identify individuals who, because of their mental illness, should not be able to purchase firearms.
20: Texas Senator John Cornyn's not happy to learn how non-reporting of mental health issues can lead to tragedy, like the eight people killed at a suburban Dallas mall. That shooter had been kicked out of the military during basic training.
5: The separation from the military without any formal adjudication looks like it's fallen through those cracks.
20: Bud Cornyn also says he opposes a ban on assault-style weapons. He says millions of those weapons are in the hands of law-abiding citizens. Another state's considering making women liable for criminal charges if they have an abortion. Alabama lawmakers are looking at a bill that would let prosecutors charge women with murder. The bill would also grant the right to life and equal protection for unborn children. A Southern California a woman's fighting to keep her two pigs, calling them emotional support animals. Oxnard, California bans keeping pigs as pets in the city. The woman's asking for an exception because she uses the pigs to cope with depression and anxiety. Rich Johnson, USA News.
1: If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a Continuous Glucose Monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day, or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you.
5: Painless. No more. Pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork.
1: You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. 800 That's 800-390-5160
16: Rick
2: Tittle knows his sports
15: I hate that guy I love that guy
13: Oh my gosh, he's so fine Rick Tittle brings home the bacon fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle biznatch
3: Hey, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Fiddle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. And if you're watching on our twitch.tv high-def cam, you see we have sitting in the chair the man himself, stand-up comedian Carlos Mencia. He is at the San Jose Improv. He has two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow, one on Sunday as well and Carlos I believe it's been 8 years well, I've had you on there but yeah. 8 years since in studio does this look the same because it's basically the same
22: pretty much I, <laughs> I, I'm remembering it now I, when, as, as I was driving when I made a left off of Kearney I went wait I've been here before <laughs> wait, wait wait and then the street started to look familiar and then uh-huh. I remember where I parked uh-huh. and then I went oh yeah I just go down this one way street I can park over here on the left so I, everything started to come you know what it was I, I felt like the drunk guy Trying to piece together what happened last night—that's <laughs> what it felt like. Wait a minute, did I park here before? I think I parked. Oh yeah, we got tacos right here, <laughs> and then, and then, right, right, as right. I as I saw the three hundred, I went ah.
3: Now I remember. Right. So like in beer fast, it's like, how do Where's that party again? Right, right. We were all drunk. We don't know. Yeah, that's what happened last night. Last night I got I got
22: I didn't get drunk, but it was enough that I had to go. Wait, wait, what did we do last night? Oh, that's why I have tacos on my bed. Oh, that's <laughs> right. We went to the taco
3: place and the. T- oh, and I ordered like thirty tacos. <laughs> well, do, you go, do you go to the mission for tacos? Do you have a place?
22: No, I don't. I mm-hmm. I go whatever's. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems that like in bigger cities, uh, taco trucks or taco taco trucks usually tend to be really good places to get the food.
3: Right after midnight, which twenty years ago that would be the very worst place. But there's something now about the food truck. What is it? I, I don't. I don't know. It has evolved. Well, see, I've known food trucks ever since
22: I was a kid because the like there's a place called King Taco in in L.A. and they started off. They did it right with a taco truck. Okay. So now they're all over L.A. But if you go to the original one in East L.A. They still have a space they still have the where they park <laughs> the taco truck. And and it's funny because, you know, there's a big line where everybody's over there ordering tamales uh-huh. and all
3: this other stuff. But when you go to the taco truck, it's just tacos. Carlos us, men. next. In studio, Rick Tuttle with you. Come on back.
1: It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. That's 855-325-5647.
23: Let's keep making money together.
15: Let's be real. Mopping is a hassle. You have to fill the bucket, pushing a wet, heavy mop around, then cleaning the mop when you're done so it doesn't grow bacteria. A hassle on top of a hassle. Try Swiffer WetJet. With Swiffer WetJet, you start with a fresh pad and cleaning solution every time. And when you're done, you just toss the pad. Swiffer WetJet. The faster, easier, cleaner way to clean your floors.
7: Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick
16: Tittle, is it? He's so handsome. He's a genius. Coming up next,
3: Rick Tittle. Hey, thank you for that. Uh, Hour two, and as you can uh, see on our cameras there, Carlos Mencia, stand-up comedian, is at the San Jose Improv. Two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow. He's even got a Sunday show. And his uh, nephew, uh, Rivas Dunlap, is with us uh, as well. He's in studio, and uh, he'll be on stage and uh, I would love to get you a mic that works, but we just want to let everybody know that you're here. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. That's great. <laughs> um, hear
22: anybody laughing in the background.
3: That's what it is. <laughs> but we were talking about taco trucks. Now, I'm, I'm from the Bay Area. I'm from the East Bay. And I just remember, like, before Raider Games, when I was a kid in the 70s and 80s, there would be one truck. And if you went there, you got Montezumas and Quatamox and everybody's revenge. Exactly. Yeah. Um, That's what it used to be. There were there were taco trucks, or there were the lunch trucks that would come by.
22: You know, certain places where. So when I was eighteen, nineteen, I worked at Farmers Insurance. Oh wow! At uh, and so there was a bum, lunch truck bum, that bum, would bum, come. Bum. Yeah, what is it?
3: No, I did it wrong. We uh, are we farmer. are
22: bum 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 bum. There you go. Yeah, Farmers Insurance. So yeah, they the the lunch truck would come, but it was interesting because they were Armenian. And that's how I got into Armenian food. Wow. Because they came in there. They were like, you want pastrami? I'm like, eh, eh. There's a p- place called The Hat. That's amazing. No, this is different, different. And then they just introduced me to Armenian pastrami and Armenian bread. And that's wow. kind of how I blew up. But it, looking back, at in those days, taco trucks were like, ugh, you're going to go there? Yeah. Ugh, the meat is usually gamey and fatty. And now. I could take you to like Eight places in LA Where there's like Ten trucks This one has kanji That one has Kobe <laughs> This one's Japanese That one's Chinese right. There's three Mexican trucks One does only birria mm-hmm. And it, yeah it, It's interesting Better, yeah, How it's, things
3: change That's a goat right Should be Yeah
22: But that see So what happens When food comes to America We were talking about This off the air It becomes Different So now The big birria mm-hmm. thing uh, Is beef So they do it with beef. You know what it's like? It's kind of like what um, Chipotle does right now with their chicken. They have this new chicken, al pastor. Mm. Al pastor has always, always, always been pork. You uh,
3: know what I'm saying? It's always
22: been pork. But it's America and it's Chipotle. So they're like, we do it. Chicken (laughs) is (laughs) healthier.
3: That's like when my relatives came from Germany and they said, it's supposed to be Das Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah. Like, no one cares. Yeah. Nobody And does. he goes, There's, they don't even serve Wiener Schnitzel there. I, like, they don't.
22: We, we don't. we don't. They care. don't care. It's fine. They, they don't care. Well,
3: let me ask you this. <laughs> I love Wiener
22: Schnitzel. <laughs>
3: <laughs> How can you not? <laughs> those 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 little chili cheese pups. Oh, oh. Of course. Destroy those little things. And I had my first corn dog there. Oh, Yeah. Oh, I love corn dogs. There ain't see, nothing cornier than a corn dog.
22: Well, you know what's beautiful about corn dogs? I, like, there's certain foods that I don't know, if, if if it wasn't that I grew up here and I ate those for lunch, I don't know that I'd ever get into it.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. Well, let me ask you this. The burrito I always heard, mm-hmm. the the little donkey, mm-hmm. is an American thing, not a Mexican thing. Is that true? Yes and no. Uh, in the sense that,
22: see, tortillas of any kind back in the day, or even now, if you live on a very remote area of any part of Latin America, you can't afford plates. So the tortillas became the plates. Now you wrap it up. So tacos were just, you know, smaller. Mm -hmm. We're going to put the rice in this one. I'm going to put the beans in this one. And so, you know, you would, you would wrap it literally in, uh, so when I, when I lived in Honduras, we'd wrap them in banana leaves and then put them in a little sack and go to work. You know, midday, you break from work and you eat up, and mm-hmm. then you, you know, work <laughs> for another four hours and then go back home. So that was it. Uh, then, then they made big tortillas, and then that became like a big dish, and then you could put it all together, and then you know, why not wrap it up? And that's kind of how it was. But it wasn't like a, th- it wasn't a thing.
14: Right, right, right. Does that make sense? It yeah. wasn't like
22: a th- until those people came here, right? The poor peasants, they came here, and that's the kind of food they brought. And then all of a sudden, they were like, wow, we we have ingredients here. <laughs> like, good ingredients, right? Like, all of a sudden, it was like, do well, we could put rice and beans and and the cilantro and the cebolla. And then all of a sudden, it became a breed. It's kind of like Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo is really more of an American holiday.
3: Right. It's not Independence Day. It's
22: no, no. Getting it's getting the a, French out. It's about La Puebla. Yeah, well, people don't tell you. So, it sounds amazing, right? Yeah. A bunch of, a bunch of natives with rocks. Literally, rocks and sticks. Literally. Beat the French Who had muskets When you actually go back Muskets It takes like what The best The best musketeer What does it take um, 30 seconds to reload Or something like that Right And there were about A thousand of them and about 80,000 <laughs> natives. So they don't tell you that part. <laughs> like, right. Even the French were like,
3: oh, are you see yes, Yeah. <laughs> they just, they just have their asses beat. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny you mentioned the, the thing about the tortilla and the burrito because now this sounds like an urban myth, yeah. but I always heard it was back in medieval times, you, you would just hand people meat, right? And so the Earl of Sandwich was getting these dirty hands and he said, from now on, whenever you hand me meat, put bread on either side of it cuz i don't want your stupid hand touching it huh. and that's how the sandwich was born Now, that sounds a little bit made up sounds made up I, I see i
22: i lived in honduras in a remote area for a while so like i've had
3: is that exp- where lake tegucigalpa is
22: no tegucigalpa is like the is that nicaragua capital, that's the capital oh, of that's honduras. the
3: capital so what's the big yeah. lake there is a lake there's a big the lake name. there
22: and that airport is the most dangerous airport In the Western
3: Hemisphere, if I'm not mistaken. What, there's no control tower?
22: No, it's on top of a mountain. (laughs) Oh, wow. So, like, if you miss it by (laughs) any amount of feet, (laughs) you're literally in a ravine either way. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, it's very, very dangerous. But They they don't care. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like they had little planes and all of a sudden a 737 showed up and they were like, we can do it, (laughs) okay. And they're, I, and I they're think not building a, a new
3: of, airport. They're going to stick with that one.
22: Oh, they, no, they don't care. It's, it's the poorest country in the
3: Western Hemisphere, too. Is it? Honduras, yeah. Worse or at than least Haiti. it was. It can't be worse than Haiti, right? I believe it is. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
22: Yeah, that's why, you know, that's why as an American, just as an American, not because I was born there or anything, I, I, can't, I can never be mad. Like, I can never get viscerally angry at yeah. people for wanting to leave that and come here. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you got to do it the right way. You know what well, when you're starving, uh, I'm thinking that protocol goes out the window. I'm just I'm just saying, like, you know, uh-huh. that doesn't matter when you're you don't you are you do not care about that. You're not gonna, "Oh, you want me to wait? In a the, how long is the list?" Oh, about 10 years? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can starve until then. Like, no, come on, man. I mean, yeah. So Is
3: that why, like, with the national soccer team, the football equipo, instead of, like, a crest, they just have H?
22: <laughs> yes. Literally. We can't even afford a crest. <laughs> no, actually, uh, the club teams have crests. Sure. And the international or the national teams mm-hmm. don't. So even America's.
7: Well, we, you have I
22: crest. don't know that we have a. Yeah. England, an actual has, crest.
3: yeah, England has the three lines We have a crest that we've changed five times. Oh, we have, but it's still a crest. Is
22: it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honduras teams, is just an H. You're right. It's blue yeah, white have,
3: with a blue H. No, right? I have. A,
22: yeah. I have a bunch of uh, shirts signed by some some of the guys. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm one of the most. I am the most successful um, um, American actor comedian born in Honduras. Really, in the history of that.
3: Country. Do they bow down? No, no,
22: it was. There, they? No, Was no, no. there a Mencia statue? I can't go over there right now. So last time I went was about over a decade ago. I bought a ticket, and literally a minute later, I get a phone call on my cell phone, and it's my cousin who's in jail now, but he's a huge drug lord, mm. and he was like, "So you're, you're coming to America? You're coming to Honduras, huh?" I go, "What?" It's like you're coming i just bought the ticket Uh uh-huh don't come not right now if i know my enemies know and you don't want to be here right now you don't you know unless you have a force with you and guys that are going to protect you they're probably going to try to take you you and kidnap you and then i was like wow and when i hung up the phone my phone rang again and it was a general from the army who basically said the same thing Wow, and I was like, and you were already on the watch list. I know, bro. I was like, <laughs> and those are moments where, because look, I live in my own in my own world, and <clears throat> you know the fact that I one day I drive a Ford F one fifty that I got in two thousand and four, which I'm driving right now, literally, mm-hmm. and then the next day I'm driving, you know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollar Mercedes. Right mm-hmm. to me, whatever that it, it, I don't get sucked into that world. Mm-hmm. But these moments. Dude kind of Slap me in the face. How could you not? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> These are the ones that made me go, oh wow, I've done something with my life.
3: <laughs> more of that. We got one more segment with Carlos Mencia. Make sure to check him out at the San Jose Improv tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. Come on back.
6: Who's
19: pricing information 800-915-9654 915
1: 9654 915 9654
20: that's 800-915-9654 to me it's like a mountain a vast bowl of pus
12: his servants
3: uh, i don't have any thank you for that we got another segment with <laughs> carlos mencia stand-up comedian at the san Jose improv two shows tonight two shows tomorrow and a show on sunday Who And looks like a servant <laughs> <laughs> and his uh, nephew's here too rivas dunlap he's going to be on stage as well you want to check out his comic stylings uh as well so um for you, your career now, I mean, I think about Mind of Mencia, yeah. was so huge. Yeah. And they put a lot of promo into it on Comedy yeah. Central. Was that like 20 years ago, 15 years ago? It was about
22: 17 years ago. It started in 2004, uh, to 2009.
3: What did you learn about the. Because I was just. Daryl Hammond was just here from SL and he was just talking about how he thought he was going to get Trump forever and then Alec Baldwin got it. You know, he just said, that's just. TV, what did you learn from like the executives and getting notes from people and all the people like bugging you?
22: What I, a, a couple things. Number one, that when it, it's, uh, I created a different environment when we, when I did mind them and See it. And what I said to comedy central is guys, I, I, I want the same thing you want. Let, let's just start with that. You want as many people to watch the show I want as many people to watch the show Here's the difference I get to try this material out On a nightly basis At a comedy club So when I come in here and I say to you guys I have this idea to do this sketch Or this bit or this piece I I already put it out there
3: So It's tried and tested
22: Yeah I'm not i am I don't want you guys to come at me From a place of oh we can't do that We can't do that as if What I want to do is to alienate people. I don't. Here's the rub. And this is the problem with comedians and and the business. They come and see us perform. And they go, man, we love what you do. Now, let's shave off little parts of you and make it TV friendly. And sometimes in that shaving, you just become another cog in that cycle which is not what they want and not what you want but what ends up happening because of fear right because of fear of like don't hurt anybody's feelings don't offend anybody blah 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 and so i said to them like look we're we're in the same game just let me be me and understand that i'm responsible enough to to know that i want the same thing you want Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to like i do i do not want as a as a comedian i don't want to tell a joke that is going to anger 15 20% of the audience to never want to see me
7: again. Right.
22: That's just antithetical to what I do is. So, you know, let's traverse these waters together, but don't come at me from uh we're not coming from the same space. Like you just want to say what you want to say, but we have advertisers. No. I don't want to say what I want to say. I I never go on stage and tell jokes and nobody laughs and I go this is for me. <laughs> the minute somebody doesn't laugh, I do something different. I adjust right if 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 tonight i go on stage and i start doing lgbtq jokes and they get weird i'm i'm not gonna just keep doing them i'm gonna step back and go oh wow let me massage this let me figure out what it is about this perspective that they're uncomfortable with or not getting or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and massage that and so for me personally the experience wasn't negative in that respect now my producers and comedy central they had it out believe it or not i was the one calling the network going hey don't take it personal they're just pissed off they had a long day it was me the talent doing that Mm. but it's hard right it's hard because you know we have an ego that ego drives us when i go on stage i'm writer actor performer director gaff every single thing i fulfill myself Mm. so all of a sudden we have a writer we have 10 writers we have a director We have somebody telling me how to be me. Right. Understand that. Yeah. Somebody, some director is telling me how to be me. (laughs) I'm sorry. Your name is Eric. I'm Carlos. The name of the show is Mind of Mencia. I'm Carlos Mencia. And you have the audacity to tell me how to be me? It's very difficult with all the egos and all of that you know because you go from you go from that right I would go from somebody telling me how to be me to walking into a restaurant and having them go oh my god Mr. Mencia no we got a table right for you no no I don't have a reservation no 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 we're fine and the meal's on us you know what I mean so it's like wow I'm somebody I get free meals how dare you tell me what to do director you don't know me uh, those ups and downs are just really, it's not normal. It's not normal human behavior, mm-hmm. and it's hard to adapt. It's hard to adapt to, to being looked at like that.
3: There are a lot of times, I think, like in sports with scouts, they have to say something negative or it looks like they're not doing their job. Like, it's funny to look at scouting reports on Steph Curry about all the things that he did wrong. Because you can't just say everything's great. And I think that happens a lot with network executives. There's so many of them right. that they have to justify their jobs. And they send you notes. Right. So do you remember one of the two of the notes that you just ripped up or made you furious?
22: Yes. The one that really bothered me was when Michael Richards had, had, had his explosion. Yeah. I came up with an idea to do a sketch where I played Kramer. <laughs> and... I ran into Jerry's apartment and tried to tell him that black people moved in next door. (laughs) But I didn't want to say black people, right? So it was like, Jerry, you're not gonna believe who moved in. Who are these people? And then it just got more and more racist. Mm. It's like they like fried chicken. Who are these people? They like watermelon, Jerry, who are these people? I just kept getting racist to racist. And then at a certain point. I was literally going to mimic the exact wording that he did
3: Mm. when he yelled out the N-word. fork up your ass? Wasn't that what he said? Well, he yelled
22: out, because they're N-words. That's what he did. So I wanted to get to the point, as it built, right? They're this, they're that, they're that. And then inevitably just, they're beep. And then just go off on the exact rant that he did, Mm. which was all over the, and they thought, Comedy Central thought, eh. They went like this, eh. And I was like, are, do you seriously not see how relevant this is? Don't you get it? And I think that, I think that because they were all white, then what the controversy? I I just don't think that they understood how funny it is outside of like how cruel it is, right? See, because when you grow up poor and you grow up like that, you grow up oppressed. I I don't know what it's like to be black, but I do know what it's like you know to, to be Latino <laughs> I do know what it's like like I I remember not going to Tulsa Oklahoma for 10 years I boycotted Tulsa Oklahoma for 10 years because we were across the street from the comedy club with Bobby Lee yeah and love Bobby. a cop drove by and saw us literally made eye contact with us pulled around did a U-turn drove in walked out of their car came right up to Bobby and went you ain't from around here, is you boy Literally And I heard that And I went Seriously Like this really just happened
3: Sounds like a bad sketch It
22: really You literally just said that And he's like What are you doing here I was like We don't have to explain to you Why we're in a restaurant We're eating Are you serious And and I stopped going there So I I know Mm. what that's like But there's also this part The poorest people in the world In America actually The world usually But in America Are the ones that laugh the best so, you 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 give me a show of really wealthy people up in you know Santa Rosa, it, it'll be a decent show.
14: Mm-hmm.
22: But their employees, that'll be a great show
7: because
22: mm-hmm. they want to laugh, they want to let it out, they okay. want to talk about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's the opposite Make of what fun you of think. Authority, yes, yeah. and themselves. You know, like uh, I, I can do. The the best illegal alien undocumented stuff that I do is in places like Salinas, right? Where they literally come out and I can make mm-hmm. fun of the giant cut, cutouts that are by the freeways that you see. And I was like, "Who's happy like that? Who? I don't. What are you talking?" And and they get it, and it's all a right. catharsis, and that. So what they didn't understand was because all they saw was, "Oh, there's a white guy yelling at the N-word."
3: Yeah no I get you it's deep it's always deep when I have you man it's always a great interview I wish I had more time (laughs) Carlos Mencia make sure to check him out at the San Jose Improv two shows tonight two shows tomorrow (laughs) one Sunday and uh, Rivas Dunlap as well he'll be uh, opening for Carlos Uh, thank you for
22: pronouncing that correctly last night this this, is in the segment ladies and gentlemen are you ready for your opening act (laughs) Rivas (laughs) Rivas
3: I'm Rick Tittle come on back
10: Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Our pills deliver the exact same results for less than $3. You'll save more than $16 a pill for the same results.
1: That's 800-965-1295.
13: If you're moving to another state, you're getting a fresh start in a brand new town. And when you choose a moving company to help get your valuable possessions to that new home of yours, you want somebody that's going to take care of your things like you would. That's why you need to call Colonial Van Lines. They're America's number one moving company for a reason because they'll take care of your things like they would their possessions. They'll use caution so nothing gets damaged. And they won't treat you like a number, they'll treat you like a friend. And when you call now on a qualified move across state lines, they'll give you a $250 discount. Move your things the right way. Call Colonial Van Lines now for a free quote.
1: Call now to learn more about this special $250 long-distance move discount. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. 847 That's 800-847-0225.
2: Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain
8: into a a seven-and-a-half-foot-long, 54-inch-wide gorilla! Is that what you're telling
1: me?
12: This is the only sports talk show that features a Rhodes Scholar, but he ain't here today. Now, back to Rick Tittle.
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's time to check in with one of our friends over at ProWagering, ProWagering.com. It is J.D. Sharp. We're here to talk about the NFL schedule. We'll get to that in a second, but news out of uh, Vegas down there uh JD is that uh Tom Brady might become a minority owner of the uh the Raiders uh and this is the guy of course who had the <laughs> the, the tuck role I know he owns part of the WNBA team there with Mark Davis your your thoughts on that story
23: I mean it, is he going to come back to the NFL I mean, is he going to come back and play quarterback or is is he, is he what's what I man I'm not shocked by that at all I'd like to see him come back I still think he's got some left in tank and I don't I, I don't I, I think he's probably going to uh, not be a commentator with Fox like he was talking about doing, but yeah, I did, actually, this is the first that I had heard of that, Rick. So uh, I'm not shocked by that at all, I guess. But I mean, it, it would make sense to, to to become an owner of of the Raiders. I mean, you've got the free agency advantage. I know Tom Brady thoroughly enjoys Las Vegas because of all the different events, and now with the uh, the A's coming in a couple of years. So so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not shocked to hear it. Uh, but I'd like to see Tom put those cleats on again, put those pads on again, and keep playing because I think he still can.
3: All right, we have the schedule come out, and uh, the, what I say now is that 31 other teams pray that they get to go play the Raiders because then they can tell their wives or their husbands, I'm going to see the Packers or the Panthers or the Patriots, whatever, and then they get to go to Vegas. Uh, this is, why, right, this is exactly. yeah, that's what they want. But Christmas is ruined already. We can already say it because, for me, because the Raiders will be at Arrowhead, which is going to be a blood fest. Uh, what are some of the other ones that have uh, caught your eye?
23: Well, I, I think I think the Cowboys have a, have a pretty difficult schedule. Uh, I like the Bengals' schedule; it sets up for them pretty well. They don't they don't have a ton of difficult games. I mean, it, it, Monday Night Football is actually spread out pretty evenly. Uh, pretty much every team that that's worth watching has about two games on Monday Night Football. I got to tell you, I've, I've been seeing Bryce Young and and just minicamp and the way that he looks and looks in his jersey and he. He literally looks like a seventh grader out there. I, th- I think, I think the Panthers may have made just an epic mistake by, by drafting Bryce Young. This guy is, he's, he's pretty small. He might be, he might be 5'10, 185 pounds. I mean, he's, he's, and, and you're talking about an, a, a, an NFL where, I mean, Brian Burns, for example, he's a defensive end for the Panthers. He's about 6'5", 260. He's considered small. And in a the picture, they, they looked, they looked like they were big brother and little brother. So yeah, I uh, I think the Panthers are, are in some pretty serious trouble. I, I think I, I kind of like the Texans draw um, as well. I like what I've seen from from just what they've done as far as kind of adding talent to their squad. Now they picked up Jimmy Ward very silently. You know, Jalen petre He had a really good rookie year. Derek Stingley's a good corner as well. They got Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys I would say they're one solid wide receiver now if Nathaniel Dell or Xavier Hutchinson play well this year I think, I think the Texans have a chance to actually cause some damage because they've still got Laramie Tunsil who's one of the best offensive tackles that's ever played in the NFL they drafted the Juice Scruggs as well at center so yeah I think uh, but I, I would say that the Bengals just from what, just from what I've seen the, the, the Bengals schedule looks like the most favorable I, mean, I, I don't see a game on there that they can't win and again they got better which is tough to do by adding Orlando Brown and by having a tremendously good draft and, and pretty much adding adding talent and depth at every single position they needed to.
3: Speaking of Carolina though, the NFC South kind of a anonymous division. The Falcons, the Saints and the Panthers 32nd, that's easiest, 31st, second easiest, and 27th, toughest strength of schedule. Someone has to win this division and it's not going to be a bumpy ride.
23: Yeah, no, I, I, as of right now, I would say the Falcons. I think the Falcons have, they have a, they have a total mismatch offensively for other squads. You know, Pitts was, was an absolute freak in college. He had a great combine. He's 6'5, 255, runs like a 4'4 flat. If he's healthy, he's going to play well. Drake London, 6'5, 220 at wide receiver. They just add a B. John Robinson. They've still got a really good offensive line. Last year, their offensive line was the best. Against or as far as run blocking, they were the number one run blocking offensive line, and, and I think Ritter's only going to get better. He's he's not like an amazing athlete, but he's a good enough athlete. He's got a decent arm. I think he can be. I think he's smart enough to be a decent game manager. So and then I like what they've added uh, defensively as well. So yeah, I think uh, I think the Falcons. If I had to make a choice on who would who would win that division, it would be them.
3: Speaking with JD sharp from pro wagering, the other end of the spectrum in the NFC East the Eagles have the toughest schedule. the Cowboys and the Giants are tied for fourth that is going to be a division where they're going to really beat up on each other
23: yeah I know that I think the Eagles are they could actually be kind of like the Chiefs I think the Eagles could, could have a, a down year ahead of them uh, Jalen Carter their first round pick he just got a civil suit for being involved in a, uh, the death of his teammate. Um, that I think could be a problem. They did draft a lot of Georgia players. Uh, Hertz has that huge contract, I mean, gigantic contract, and in some cases uh, when you get that big contract, you just kind of you kind of sit back and you let things, you, you, you let the chips fall as they may, kind of like, uh, well, we'll say Kevin Durant is doing right now for, for the Sun. So, no, I think uh, I think the Eagles could actually have, have a tough road ahead of them. I really like uh, what, I, what the Giants have done by adding a lot of talent with Jalen Hyatt and adding, you know, they've still got Wandale Robinson, they've still got Uh, Isaiah Hodgins and a couple other wide receivers They added Darren Waller as well don't love what they've got defensively but that'll be a team where where the game goes over a lot and obviously they've got Saquon Barkley so Daniel Jones is a guy that I'm high on I think the Cowboys can win it all honestly I wouldn't be shocked if it's a Cowboys and Bengals Super Bowl they added Macy Smiths from Michigan at D tackle he was considered uh, Bruce Feldman's number one freak last year Uh, they traded Amari Cooper who I thought was uh, a, who, who was very overrated ever since he was at Bama. I mean, he was, he was great at Bama. He got into the pros and maybe he got hurt something, but, uh, they traded away Dalton, uh, they gave away Dalton Schultz. They, they drafted Luke Schoonmaker. They've got a good offensive line. Um, Ezekiel Elliott's not taking up, you know, 15, 20 carries a game running a 4-8 or 4 9. 40 like he was. I like Tony Pollard in his, in his place, obviously. So I think Dak Prescott has a chance to have an MVP-like season. And I think that just, is, and, and they added Stefan Gilmore defensively. So now they've got Jordan Lewis. They've got Trayvon Diggs. They've got Stephon Gilmore. Um, yeah, they just the Cowboys have done a really good job just building out their team the last couple of years, and I wouldn't be shocked if this was the year that it was the Cowboys' year for a number of different reasons.
3: Yeah, Amari Cooper's first year in Oakland was so amazing. He broke all of the rec- rookie records, shredding all the records from Tim Brown and Cliff Branch, and I think he's had problems trying to live up to that first year ever since. Uh, let's talk about the bye, which I hate. I think it's in the Communist Manifesto. It's just its a week without football for me. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. just to extend the season. Even with the extra 17th game, we still have to have the bye. But Arizona and Washington, two teams that aren't expected to do much, their bye is week 13. the hell is that?
23: <laughs> I don't know. That, I mean, that's, that, that's not going to be great for them, obviously, for, for a number. of and, and there is a rest element to the bye involved, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I think I think Sam Howell, for a while, I mean, they do have some pretty good wide receivers with Curtis Samuel and uh, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. But, I, I don't expect much out of, out of the commanders, at least offensively. I do like what they've got defensively. If Chase Young can stay healthy, he could have a big year, or either better he's one of the biggest busts uh, that we've seen in a long time. And then the Cardinals just have a ton of different problems. They, they, they have a lot of issues. They have the number one and number two pick next year most you know for, for a reason, most likely. Uh, and, I, and I think they're going to take advantage of it and probably probably draft Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. unless something you know changes. maybe they go for Joe also, who they already got, Paris Johnson this year, who, who like you said last time we talked, uh, will most likely protect Caleb Williams. but, but yeah, that's, that's definitely not a not, not a good thing for either of those teams that are going to have a lot of problems without that buy being that late.
3: There's a lot of opportunity for primetime games. We know with Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night football, the Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers and Bills will all get the maximum number allotted, which is 6 games apiece. Of course, we're talking Mahomes, Herbert, Allen and America's team. That's understandable, but you can always tell who the NFL is not interested in. And I know this as a Raider fan because I suffered this for a few years. The four teams that will get zero primetime games, those Cardinals, the Falcons, the Texans, and the Colts, and if you think back about a couple of years ago with Kingsbury and Murray and Hopkins and J.J. Watt, the Falcons have really fallen off. I'm sorry, the, yeah, the, ca- card- the Cardinals have yeah, really fallen off.
23: Yeah, I, well, I think the NFL's learned their lessons. <laughs> Learn their lesson with with that franchise. I do think they're making a mistake though with the Falcons. I think the Falcons are going to make are going to make quite a bit of noise. They're going to have a a well oiled machine offensively, and Bijan Robinson is there's there's a chance that he could surpass 1500 yards in his first year he could be that good so uh, i i'm i'm not shocked by that at all i mean obviously the nfl is still a business and primetime games advertisers spend money because people want to watch the teams that are playing in those games although maybe that was three or four years ago now with sports betting it doesn't really, it doesn't really make a difference i mean if if, if the wagers are there and if, if the game is a decent matchup I and mean, people I mean people will definitely watch sports that that they're betting on which is and, but actually, they're more likely to watch a game that they're betting on. Um, but, but, yeah, no, I, I think that they, they probably made the right move with, with those other three teams. Although, I would like to see Stroud maybe in a prime-time slot, just kind of see how he responds, because I do think he's going to have a pretty decent year. But, no, uh, I would say it's definitely a mistake with the Falcons, because they have a chance to be the surprise of the entire NFL this year.
3: And uh, also the Jaguars, they're going to have TIAA Bank Stadium. I think next year are going to go through renovations. They're going to have nowhere to play for two years. Shad Khan owns Fulham Football Club in West London. They usually go to London. They're going to stay for a fortnight and play back-to-back games in London. Should we just assume that this is the team that's going to move to London?
23: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a terrible assumption. Obviously, yeah, with with the owner having having different interests uh, internationally and, and, and trying to have games there, the you know those seven a.m. games that they've had the last couple of years. So yeah, I wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all if, if that were the case. If the NFL is, is trying is, is willing to go international, I, I don't know if they. I mean, I know they, they've talked about it before, but I'm not sure if they're really actually willing to do it. That's a, there's a whole difference between discussing something and actually going through it, especially when it involves going across you know, the ocean to, to do so. So, um, I, Yeah, I, I think that if, if there is any team that's going to go to London, it would obviously be the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I'm not convinced that the NFL is ready to make that move yet.
3: And then finally, of course we know that the Super Bowl champs open up things on Thursday at home. The NFL really liked what they saw out of I'll bite your kneecaps off, Campbell's Lions. Of course, they finished 8-2 and two in their last 10. They knocked out the pack, even though they knew that they weren't going, that the Seahawks had wrapped that up. But um, how about a resurgent in Motown?
23: Lions have an interesting team. I mean, even if Goff goes down, I don't, I don't think Hendon Hooker would be. I think he's actually got a chance to be a pretty good pro. They drafted really well. You know, we saw, we talked about how Jameer Gibbs was, was in our opinion, a, a pretty big reach. But they did trade DeAndre Swift to the Eagles, and I think Swift may have had some disciplinary, disciplinary issues or something like that. They have talent wide receiver. Sam Laporta, who they drafted at tight end, will likely be starting. We'll see how their cornerbacks develop. I like the pick of Brian Branch as well. Aiden Hutchinson had a great rookie year. He's no, he's still there. So, yeah, I think that it wouldn't be it wouldn't be surprising at all if the Detroit Lions won that division and they made the playoffs. It wouldn't shock me one bit. JD Sharp, Pro Wagering,
3: ProWagering.com. Have a great weekend. Thanks for coming on, buddy.
23: Hey, thanks a lot, Rick.
3: All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back. We got time. Get on back.
1: That's 800-943-2153.
12: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: All right, a couple minutes left in the show. The Warriors need to win tonight or it's over. And uh, for the season, Draymond Green has a player option next year that he can get out of. I don't know why he would want to get out of that. Um, Does he think that he would get the kind of money? I mean, I guess somebody would pay him, right? I suppose, but we might have our last look at these three guys, the dynastic uh, trio. Uh, Will Clay Thompson show up? He has not played well uh, in this series. Um, Steph might have to go for 50 again, as he did in game seven up in Sacramento to win that series that the Warriors didn't look good in for many times. But the Lakers at home with LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson, he doesn't miss the three. Who will be their Lonnie Walker tonight? The Kobe of the Ozarks. Austin Reeves is frustrating because he looks like a big hunk of nothing, and yet it seems like he makes every damn shot that guy frickin' takes. And the unibrow, he got hit in the head. He's fine, um, and uh, he's going to play. So the Warriors are up against the wall. We'll talk about it Monday, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Also, Stanley Cup, anything else going on in your sporting world. I'm Rick Tuttle. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday right here on SportsBot.
7: We don't have brain
3: damage. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to end the show.
7: We don't have brain damage.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Great way to end the show.